now. Introducing a man who went too far, who knew too much. He loves tasty waves and he knows kung fu. This is your wake-up call. He is an NIL agent. He is Glenn Clark. Was that Nick Cage or an Australian actor of some sort? It was Keanu. It was Keanu. It's close. Nick Cage. The funny thing is, as I was coming up with that, I thought about Nicolas Cage. Yeah, it definitely came off a little bit Cage. And then it had some Australian in there. (laughs) It that's was, not, that's not the it first was all time over I've the place. In Australian Keanu, he did he did find him in Fiji. So we should probably be more specific. Uh, uh, currently, our um, it, it just tells people that today's Thursday on yeah, our video. I, I, we should probably let him know a little <laughs> bit more than just that today's I'm Thursday. I'm going in the fix. Not, I mean, there might be somebody who woke up today and was like, "Well, what the hell day is today?" And then wandered over to Pressbox's Facebook page and learned that today's a Thursday. And they were like, "Well, thank God." I mean, when I was in college, there were definitely a lot of times, and frankly, during the pandemic, there were some days where I like, the hell day is today? Like, where where are we exactly? We got our answer. Today, it's a Thursday. That's what we got for <laughs> it's you. It's that flawed system. To be continued. If you, you blame the system. That's what you do. You blame it's the system. It's my fault. I know the system, and I hit the wrong button. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Paul. Happy Thursday to you. Uh, we got much to do on the program today. Coming up in just a bit, Cedric Mullins is going to join us. Um, really wild yesterday. It, it, it sort of seemed to get lost in the shuffle. As Cedric Mullins, um, with the help of the Major League Baseball Players Association, revealed that going back to 2020, um, he was battling some health issues and he couldn't figure out what it was. And, and he ultimately found out that he had Crohn's disease. And, uh, you know, like, it's really an incredible story. And, and more importantly, Cedric is trying to use his fight with Crohn's to get others to go get checked out and to listen to their bodies. And if something is wrong... Don't just sort of understand, like, think like, ah, it's fine. Nah, no big deal here. I'll be good. So I appreciate that greatly. I mean, one, I appreciate Cedric Mullins. Always have. He's been a, a wonderful guest with us over the years. And I don't know if you heard, he's a pretty damn good baseball player. Um, but a, a wonderful way to use his voice. So I'm looking forward to catching up with Cedric Mullins here in a few minutes um, and chatting about everything that he's been through. Um, we will also this morning catch up with Press Box Ravens beat writer Bo Smolka. The Ravens, two press conferences down this week, one more to go, but it's during our show tomorrow. I think they did that purposely because they wanted to ruin our ratings on a Friday. Uh, Eric DaCosta will speak to the media tomorrow morning at 10. But uh, Mike McDonald was introduced to the media yesterday, and uh, John Harbaugh had his press conference early in the week. Bo will tell us a little bit more about what we learned, if anything, from those press conferences and what uh, we expect to learn tomorrow morning from Eric DaCosta. And uh, later on in the program, we're going to let our buddy Andrew Stecka check in and uh, give us some tips uh, about preparing to get your back waxed. We don't have a pick segment to do this week, obviously, because there's no games this weekend. There's only one game left. And thankfully, uh, it matters. Thankfully, I pulled off a 2-0 week, Kyle went 0-2, and so we are tied going into the final week. So there will be some drama Going into the uh, the uh, the say Olbe or whatever we're supposed to call it here, um, the point being that because we're not doing a pick segment, I just thought it'd be a fun day for Stecka to buzz in, and uh, we'll catch up with him about losing how how poorly he did in our picks contest this season, and also we'll talk to him about some other things. Everybody's losing their mind. I, he and Forrester and John and Little Rock and Forrester, everybody's and somehow I'm I'm catching strays. 
this morning in our uh, ats or whatever you call mentions on uh, Twitter about U.S. soccer last night. And I'm not trying to be dismissive of it. I want to say two things. I don't agree necessarily with how dismissive Drew is. I'm not fully on the side of any of you guys either. It's a very strange situation. I don't think you should play soccer matches in freezing cold temperatures. I don't think you should play any sports in in extreme weather conditions. I've been pretty clear about that. For example, I don't think we should be building any more stadiums that don't have roofs on them. I I think that we have lost our way, that we have, um, in the name of tough, what what happened to being tough, you know, what, I didn't know you guys were so soft, because we just throw out nonsensical statements, we've lost sight of reality, and the reality is, people die in extreme weather conditions, that's something that occurs, people die, it ain't about toughness. It ain't about somebody being soft. People die in extreme weather conditions. Inviting people to come out and sit in the freezing cold, whether it's a football game in Green Bay, whether it's a soccer match in the Minnesota, it's, it's reckless. It's insanity. Every one of these stadiums should have a roof on it. And, and by the way, it's a bigger problem, right? Like in December, a team, a football team might be playing well. If you play in an outdoor stadium, you might look around and say, wow, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of empty seats here. It doesn't make sense. I, I thought we supported the team. I thought the team played well. Because what you're missing is the part where it's five degrees outside. It's miserable. And I got to wake up that morning and make a decision as to whether or not I want to go to the game. Baseball stadiums, too. I don't disagree with that. I think baseball stadiums absolutely should have roofs. All retractable roofs. I 100% believe... When it's 100 degrees outside on a Sunday afternoon in July, and you're supposed to be sitting on the first base side at Camden Yards, I'd rather be dead. And I might be if I go to the game. It ain't about toughness. We're so lost We're so pathetic. We're so fragile as a society that we throw words out there. Uh, People used to be tough. Get the F out of here with that. Jordan McNair died in the heat one day. And I get it. He was playing a sport. He wasn't watching a sport. But you know what? The athletes that are playing are playing sports. Jordan McNair was a conditioned athlete and died. Get the F out out of here with using words like toughness or soft. People die in extreme weather conditions. And we should probably as a society recognize that. Now, we're not capable of that because we're too busy yelling at each other because if people bring that up, it makes them soft. But we should maybe get a grip and say, huh, we don't need to do that. If you're playing sports in extreme weather conditions, there should be a roof that prevents them from being extreme. And we should all be capable of knowing what extreme is. So, there's that. The flip side argument is the argument that every other country does these things. 
In Canada, they just made uh, the United States play on the smallest possible pitch they could to limit their athleticism. That in these Latin American countries, they'll make uh, the U.S. play matches, qualifying matches in conditions that you wouldn't find at Perry Hall High School. And that's a bigger problem that a governing body should probably step in and do something about. Of course, they don't, and they won't, and that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day, but we should be capable of saying that. The problem should be fixed all over the place. There should be standards by which someone has to meet, and if you can't meet those standards, you don't get to host competitive international soccer matches. If in Honduras or Trinidad and Tobago, or Costa Rica, they can't provide a legitimate pitch. If Mexico can't say, hey, we're not going to play the match in the heat of summer in the smog, at the time during the day where the smog is at its worst, if we can't come together on things like that, then you can't host the soccer match. And then see how quickly they figure it out and get it fixed. Because when you lose the opportunity to make money... All of a sudden, people are like, whoa, wait a second. I've changed my mind. We're going to get that fixed. Nonsense. It's nonsense that we play in these conditions. Should the U.S. arbitrarily... This is the same argument I make. Is, as people know, I'm, I'm very apolitical, right? I'm very down the middle when it comes to these things. And I don't much care for gerrymandering. The argument for gerrymandering is that if, if, if in, in Maryland they chose to stop gerrymandering, that wouldn't choose anyone in West Virginia to stop gerrymandering. That until they stop doing it in other places, we can't stop doing it. Otherwise, we're putting our political party at a great disadvantage. And I'm, I'm sort of left shrugging my shoulders. I don't want it. I don't like it. I don't think it makes sense. But I understand what you're saying. Why does it exist at all? Why wouldn't you know the people in charge of the country fix this problem? A lot of things I think they should probably fix, but that's a conversation for another day. I understand the argument from people that say, well, we're playing the game in freezing cold temperatures because obviously anyone from Honduras is never in such situations and they're not going to respond well to it. And it gives us an inherent advantage. I hear you. I mean, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I just don't think it should be allowed. And somebody's listening to this and saying, Glenn, you're not really coming down strongly one way or the other. Well, that's the reality of the circumstances. The ability for me to say, I, I get it. I don't like it. I get it. I think it should be fixed. I think it's a problem that CONCACAF should address. I think it's a problem that any governing body of soccer, 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 is there a governing body of soccer? Probably is a. Mick Foley? No, 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 no. It's Sacco. Saki, of course, like a Saki bomb, is their governing body of that particular beverage. Um, you know, whoever that is should do something. Yeah, it should absolutely do something to fix this. I'm, I'm with you. Fix it. This shouldn't happen. There should never be outdoor sports played in extreme weather conditions, ever, at any level, by the way. There were moments when my six-year-old was out playing lacrosse last uh, spring where I was like, dude, this is getting to be a bit extreme. I'm getting to be a bit uncomfortable watching him run around and seeing his face get all red. Like, there were times, now thankfully he had great coaches, and they were like, we need to pause, we need to take a break, we need to, 
they they were very very good about making sure it was understood that like hey it's getting hot we need to do something about that I'm absolutely the type that's like, why are we playing youth sports at 3 in the afternoon? We can push it back. The sun doesn't go down until 9 o'clock this time of year. Maybe we play the the game at 7 instead. Well, people like to go out on a Saturday night. Okay? Well, do you want your kid to play sports or not? I'm willing to not go out on a Saturday night if it means my kid doesn't have to play in 100-degree temperatures. We have to understand people die in extreme weather. We've got to be able to get that through our skulls at some point. And on the whole, stop it. On the whole, build structures that have roofs. It's one thing I get it at the youth sports level. They're not going to be able to do that at Hereford Middle School. You know, like They can't put a roof on their field. I mean, maybe they can. I, I guess I haven't studied it. Perhaps the cost isn't so overwhelming. But they sure as F can do that on the soccer pitch in Minnesota. They 100% could have done it on any stadium that was built in the last 10 years to host major American professional sports. It's insane that we keep building stadiums that don't have roofs. Maybe in San Diego they don't need to do that, right? Like maybe in San Diego, because it's perpetually 80 degrees, they don't have to worry too much about putting a roof on their stadium. But just about everywhere else, yeah, I don't know if you heard, they get hurricanes in Florida. <coughs> I don't know if there's anywhere else in the country where they wouldn't be smart to have a roof on the stadium. Maybe Nashville. I guess Nashville's weather is pretty good most of the time. I don't know. I don't know how cold it gets in Nashville in the winter. I haven't spent... I was I there. Think it in, probably gets in the 50s. Yeah, but I don't think it gets too extreme. Although it probably gets very, like, I think that. Um, if it snows in Florida and Texas th- sometimes, it probably gets. No, but, it, you know, in Nashville, it probably it absolutely gets extremely hot. What am I talking about? In the summer, it gets yeah. extremely hot yeah. in Nashville. 100% they should have a roof on their stadium. I'm drunk. Um, and they play it. They, they host soccer matches now there in the summer, too, because they play the MLS games in the football stadium. So for these existing stadiums, if you were to say, "Hey, let's put let's put a roof on all these stadiums," they would ha- would they have to tear them down? Would they have to? Yeah, I don't know enough about that. Like, I just don't I don't know all the details I there. Mean, I don't. I you know they put a roof on the tennis stadium at uh, the U.S. Open, and it wasn't all that difficult. Like, a, how many billions of dollars would it cost to put an entire structure over the entire Camden Yard Sports Complex? And just have one roof over just both. One yeah, I don't. Giant I don't think that, dome. I don't. I don't think we need to go that crazy. <laughs> I don't think that's necessary. I. I and again, I, I'm I'm not even like advocating that we have to do it. I don't I don't I don't I have said in the last five years there shouldn't be another stadium built that doesn't have a roof on it. Yeah. Like at this point, it should be mandatory from all of these leagues. If you want to build a stadium, that's fine. You have to put a roof on it. And and it's it, it goes for so many reasons. It also protects your ability to get people to go to the games. Mm-hmm. And I have talked about this ad nauseum. Like the year it was so funny the year after Colin Kaepernick uh, took the knee where everybody was pretending like uh, that's why people weren't going to the games is because they were boycotting. Mm-hmm. And they conveniently pretended like um, literally the week after it happened, the stadium wasn't jam-packed for a Steelers game and then empty in December because what people were boycotting was the weather. Mm-hmm. The weather sucks in December. And, and that year, I happen to remember the two final home games were like literally the two coldest days we've ever had in Baltimore. And... I said then, like, you want people to keep coming to the games. You have to realize what you're up against. The home experience is too good. It's way too good. I don't want to go to the game because it takes me away from home. So in order to compete with that, you need to make the stadium experience better. You need to tell me I don't have to go try to survive a Sunday afternoon. If that's what I got to do, I'm out. 
I'm not going to go have to try to survive any sort of weather. You want me to go to a game, I've got to have a pleasant experience. And there's nothing, st- save your tough guy routine. Again, I know it makes you look cool in front of your bro dogs, but your tough guy routine is nonsense. There's nothing pleasant about going to a football game when it's six degrees outside. And I'm not even doing the bit where people die now. I'm just saying you want people to go to the game. You want the stands full. You want to stop doing the, I thought we were good fans. I thought we'd actually show up and support the team. Yeah, if they put a roof over the stadium, we probably would because we wouldn't have to worry about how many heaters we got to shove down our crotch in order to keep ourselves alive. You shouldn't build a stadium that doesn't have a roof on it at this point. It's insane. It's bad business. It also makes no sense. You can't host as many events when you don't have a roof. You got a roof on your stadium. You could, you know, Indianapolis, by the way, not exactly the like most attractive city in the country. No offense. I've been there plenty of times. It's fine if I'm being nice. They've hosted Final Fours. They've hosted Super Bowls. They've hosted NCAA uh, now in a college football championship. You know why? They got a roof on the stadium. It ain't hard to figure out. They put a Super Bowl in Detroit. In Detroit. But we say the asinine things like, well, we want to take advantage of, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we want to use the weather to our advantage. Stop. God, we're so stupid. We are such stupid people. Oh, we're so dumb. All right. Anyway, I don't know how that I don't know how I lost my mind. The US won. They won three nothing, three nil. So they're they're okay for right now. They still have work to do in the, the final set of qualifying. But um everybody was flipping out about that. And everybody was flipping out about Greg Burhalter taking a picture when there was still nine minutes to play. Apparently there was a stoppage in play and some fans approached him to take a picture and he did it and it shows an utter lack of sportsmanship. It's disrespectful to your I mean I I get it. It ain't a great optic. I just don't care all that much about it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I just don't. You're not going to get me to think it's that big of a deal. If a football player is standing on the sideline during a game and it becomes a blowout in the second half and somebody in the stands like says, hey, hey, Levine, would you turn around and pose for a picture? Like, I don't think I'm going to lose my mind about that. It's an optic. I get it. It's, it doesn't look great, but I do tend to line up with the idea that you guys just don't like Greg Burhalter, and you're looking for any other reason to add on, to pile on to why you don't like Greg Burhalter. I don't think it was that big of a deal in that moment. Genuinely, don't believe it was that significant that he turned around and took a picture with some fans in that moment. I think it's okay. I think uh, the world will go on. I think there are bigger fish to fry. Do they get into the World Cup? That's what I'm worried about. I'm just not worried about these things. All right, today's show is brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Man, they, I, I am to understand there are still like a couple of spots available for you to be there at Live Casino and Hotel for the big game. But you got to email events at sportssocialmd.com. That's events at sportssocialmd.com. That's what you need to do in order to reserve your spot to hang out and watch the big game in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Events at SportsSocialMD.com. The atmosphere is going to be insane. I've been there during the playoffs. The live in-game betting 
just adds a completely different level. The food's delicious at Sports and Social. It's such an awesome time. Events at SportsSocialMD.com if you want to reserve your spot for the big game. And in the FanDuel Casino at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Man, um, there's so much that I want to talk about with our next guest, but I'm just blown away. And I really appreciate the way that he's using his voice now and telling people about the battle that he went through and why they need to take care of themselves. Our next guest, of course, a member of the 30-30 club and an all-star last season for the Baltimore Orioles, had one of the more magical uh, individual seasons in Orioles history. And he opened up yesterday, and I greatly appreciate what he's opening up about his fight with Crohn's disease. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the show Mr. Cedric Mullins, who's with us now here on GCR. Said it's Glenn and Paul. It's great to chat with you again, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Oh, yeah, it's no problem. How you guys doing this morning? Everything is good, man. It, it, it's so good to chat with you. I'm hoping that we're going to be talking about baseball at some point, but that's a, you know, a conversation for another day, probably <laughs> for beyond day your control. For sure. um, Cedric, you know, for people that, that, that saw the video that, you know, found themselves saying, wow, like, holy crap, how, how could you be playing so well when you were going through something like this? Can, can you take me through going back to 2020 when all of this started? Do you have a sense for how your fight with Crohn's lined up with maybe some of the struggles that you were going with in baseball at that time? Uh, it, for me, it's tough because I'm not one to try to make excuses. And, you know, for for when I was coming into the 2020 season, it was, you know, about me trying to uh, you know be a completely different player uh, from what I put out in the 2019 season. And, when I started having those symptoms of um, Crohn's, it, it kind of threw me by surprise because, um, you know, I was I was having um, uh, discomfort uh, using the restroom and, you know, uh, starting to see and recognize things that I was not used to seeing. Like, I think there was, there was a lot of cloudiness in my urine, which I think by the time I had actually uh, spoken up about it, I was actually having blood coming out, and yeah. that's when I got really concerned. I was like, okay, this is, <laughs> this right, is this ain't right. way out of the ordinary. Yeah. And when I had uh, addressed it with the team, and we were kind of trying to figure out what it was, and you know, going through the test, MRI scans, CT scans, all, all those uh, procedures to try to crack down on what I was going through. And on top of uh, covid spreading around it was it was it was definitely a crazy hectic you know pressured moment for me just wanting to play Cedric I'm gonna share a story I um admittedly don't I I as of two years ago I didn't have a physician I it, I'm a I'm a I'm a nearly 40 year old man and I'm the type that thinks like nah I know my body if I'm sick I'll know right like I I'm just yeah. that I, I'm sure you know the type it took me and I'm I'm embarrassed to admit this, but this is how significant of a figure he is. It took Cal Ripken getting cancer and him saying, if you're that age, you oh, need wow. to start going and getting a res- regular physical and going and seeing a doctor. And I was like, wow, okay, boy. I, if Cal Ripken says so, I, I guess I should go do it. And I'm embarrassed to say that, but I needed, I needed something like that. As a man, was it at all difficult for you when you're going through these things? I think that we don't like to... I mean, what you're talking about, blood in your urine, that's not exactly like a conversation that you typically t- sit down with the boys and you're like, 
hey, bro, what's up today? Yeah, I got some blood in my urine, right? Like, it's yeah. just not the way that it goes. <laughs> was it difficult for you going through something like that? Did you find yourself embarrassed by it, not wanting to say anything to anyone and thinking like, ah, you know, I'll, it'll just get better. I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tough guy. I'm an athlete. Things will just get better. Yeah, it, it, I don't think uh, I felt embarrassed. I, I know I had you know, my own personal concerns, uh, but it was more or less just me trying to manage my own body. I was kind of going out every day. You know, I, I felt good for the most part, and I knew that. So it was just me trying to get a gauge on how I was feeling day to day. Um, but uh, that's that's something that you know I'm trying to preach that people get away from. I know mm-hmm. uh, my dad is in my opinion the king of doing that you know he'll literally <laughs> tell us that he's feeling bad and won't do anything about it hmm. we're, we're sitting there like you know are you what how well what's your plan like do you plan on going to see somebody how are you going to gauge it and he will go weeks on in still feeling roughly the same i'm trying to convince him like it's not a problem to go get checked out right, right. You know, it, does, it doesn't make you weak if, you, if it turns out to be nothing then great like, but if if uh, issue does happen to occur, I, I think you know getting on top of it is pretty crucial. Uh, Cedric Mullins is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Cedric, give me the the living with Crohn's side of this, right? Like, so obviously we all saw, you know, you had the the season of your life a year ago, and you established yourself as one of the best players in all of baseball. What does this fight look like for you on a day to day basis now that you've been diagnosed with Crohn's? It's um, it, it's still relatively the same as if I hadn't been. I, the surgery really helped me okay. get to that point. Uh, it's crazy all the stories I've heard coming in, and it is not the same for other people. So it's you know it's about me getting more involved with the with that, and you know getting the understanding for how much worse it could have been had I not uh, decided to get it checked out when I did. And uh, so day to day life. Um, you know, during the surgery, um, you know, I was, I was focused on my recovery and you know, I was starting to figure out and get a feel for, you know, what, what I decided to put in my body in terms of food, nutrition, um, trying to stay away from foods that cause inflammation because that's the foundation of Crohn's is inflammation in the body. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and uh, just, just uh, trying to see uh, what I may need to do in terms of therapy to you know, keep keep it in remission, and so it's a it's a lot of uh, you know different blood works and scans that I do on you know probably a three to four month basis. So it's it's nothing crazy in terms of having to go back to doctors' offices and things of that nature, but just trying to uh, maintain the the refreshness that I felt after the surgery. Was there any particular food that you had to give up that, like, you know, it it, it, it is it does kind of hurt you a little bit that, like, you've had to stay away from it? Yeah, spicy foods. Okay. Like, I'm one to always love yep. a little kick. And <laughs> yep. Oh, dude, I, I am the type that no matter what it is, my wife, it, it, it infuriates her. Like, whatever she makes, I'm grabbing the Old Bay hot sauce. Like, it's just the way oh, yeah. that it goes. Like, I, I want that kick with everything that I eat. It would kill me to have to go through something like that. <laughs> What's what's yeah, what's what's the occasional thing? Okay, what's the number one spicy food that you're like, dude? I I hope that at some point in my life I'll be able to eat it again. Oh man, I don't think there's one in particular. Okay, yeah, I, I enjoy buffalo wings on the occasion, and 
there's so many different kinds of hot foods, it's, and I enjoy all of them. All up right. to a certain point, I, I'm not the person to try to blow my tongue off, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh okay. admittedly, I am. <laughs> I have oh, a problem in that way. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's that's definitely not not the vibe I I have for it. But uh, you know, it's 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 uh, it's a lot of different foods, and you know, I'm able to have them on occasion, just just not on a continuous basis, because that that'll kind of mess with my stomach uh, in the long run. Uh, Cedric, who is your message to? Like, when when we say, hey, we we need people to take this seriously and go ch- get checked out. What if somebody's feeling what? Like, if somebody's going through what? Should this be something they should be going and doing and seeing a doctor and and talking to somebody about what it is that they're feeling? I, I think the message is just for people that are used to having perfect health and running in situations that you know come off as abnormal, but they assume that it's something relatively small. Like for me, I thought it was food poisoning. I've had food poisoning before, and that that also could have been related to Crohn's. I just had no idea. Because uh, uh, is is uh, you know, I'd have occasional what I guess when I think back would be considered episodes, mm-hmm. and I thought it was just something bad that I had eaten, or I, uh, but really that was it, something bad that I ate, and my stomach reacted a certain way, so I was trying to figure out what it might have been so I could stay away from it, and it would always happen like roughly once a year, so nothing crazy. But then over time, it just started to really build up and led to me having having half surgery. Um, I'm I'm grateful that you're using your voice this way, man. And I, I you know, I, I really I know it comes off uh, trivial, but I can't imagine it's easy to talk about these things, you know, and and regularly. So to choose to just say, "Hey, man, I'm I'm going to tell people that I had blood in my urine." That's not something that every adult male would be willing to say to, to strangers. You know what I mean? Like that's. It's it's big of you that you're stepping up and doing this, and and I have no doubt that you're going to save lives in the process and and make people's lives better. So I'm I'm really grateful for that, Cedric Mullins. Yeah, that's, that's definitely the goal that I'm shooting for is, you know, uh, putting out there the the struggles that I've been through, but also uh, the approach that you know I can still uh, uphold a normal lifestyle with a few adjustments. All right, so I got to ask you how it is that how do you go about preparing? for this new kind of wonky cutout that's going to exist in left center field at Campton Yards? Like, is is there something you can set up in your backyard to, like, practice belt balls bouncing off it of a certain way? Like, how do you get ready for this new adventure that you're going to have running around in left center field? Uh, the only thing I have right now is visualization. I have <laughs> right. nothing else to compare that to. Right. But uh, <laughs> it's just going to be a matter of repetition as soon as we, as soon as we hit the field. I, I know for a fact we're going to be getting a lot of early work done putting balls off the wall, taking it up during batting practice. But I feel like because of all the different fields that we've played on, uh, you know, at this point in some of our careers, it'll it'll be fairly easy. I mean, I know Fenway, Fenway alone, you know, brings a, a lot of changes to right. how we play defensively. And, you know, because of those adjustments, I think we'll be able to adjust pretty quick. Can I ask, when you go to a place like that, do you have to spend some time maybe before the first game, like, Refamiliarizing yourself with with how those you know sort of wonky cutouts work and the way the ball might bounce and like is it something you got to talk about and will, will you need to do that every time you guys come home this season now? Uh, that there may be a possibility there. I know when we go to Fenway, we uh, we go out there every first game to you know see some balls off the wall, get a visual of you know what we're going to be playing up against. There's the, I don't think I could go out there just blind and have a ball hit off the wall and know exactly how to play it every single time I show up. 
So I think uh, doing that at home, uh, especially for the first few months, will definitely be beneficial for us. Can, can I tell you a story? I don't know if I've, I've talked to you about this before. You came on, really, when you were going through the worst of, of your struggles, and you were back down at Bowie, and you came on with us, and you were really open. And I, I got a message from Adam Jones like later that day, and he had listened to you that morning on the show, and he sent me a note, and he said, man, I just love hearing Cedric's voice and the way that he uses it. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what Adam meant to you as you establish yourself now as a star in this league? Can you tell me a little bit about what he's meant to you and how significant sort of him, he, he was as a role model for you coming up through this system? Yeah. Uh, you know, the one thing that we didn't have that much of together was time. And for me to, you know, really just pay attention to how he went about his daily life and, uh, you know, how he prepared for the the grind of a long season and to be able to put out a successful season, in my opinion, every single year, you know, it's something that I definitely uh, pay focus to. And on top of all the community service that he provided to Baltimore mm-hmm. and, you know, his hometown, it, it's, it's just really trying to you know, create my own path in that same light. Mm-hmm. And you know, he, he did an amazing job with that. In That's, such a short time period on top of that. It's so important to hear you say that, man. Like, knowing that now you're establishing yourself you're, as a face of this franchise, you know, in, in your own right, um, how critical that is. And maybe that's part of what you're doing right now is saying, I, I need to be that guy moving forward. Is that sort of what you're feeling after you had this monster season a year ago? Yeah, it, it's definitely one step at a time. And, you know, in order to create those opportunities to uh, reach out to other people, you have to be able to solidify yourself and, you know, uh, taking that first step this past season and, you know, with the with the goal of continuing to move forward, that definitely puts me in a strong position to do so. Was there one moment in the, in the course of this year, anything in particular that, like, it will stay with you forever? Like, going through every, all the things that you went through, is there one moment during the course of last year that you're like, dude, I'm never going to forget about what this felt like? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> it's... I think it's in the order that it happened. So the All-Star game is definitely yeah. one of those things that I will never forget. But my first curtain call happened before that. Yeah. That doesn't so, suck, right? Yeah. The, the T-shirt night was definitely a very special night for me. Man, all those things are incredible. They're all incredible. So are you the type that, like, uh, checks in, like, that you're asking questions? Like, hey, man, uh, any update? Like, can we get back to the baseball field? I don't know if you heard, but, like, I'm playing really well, and I kind of want to be playing again. <laughs> like, are you are you the type that's that's asking for daily updates about what's going on, or are you able to be at peace and not worry about the things that you can't control? Uh, yeah, I, I just kind of focus on what I can't control. Uh, I definitely reach out to our our rep to you know get updates when they're available, and you know in order to get a a win win situation for both sides. Uh, out of the CBA, I know that's going to take you know time and patience, and I'm definitely used to having both. So uh, <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe. it's something that I just take in stride. Okay, but now that you're here and established, I feel like I'd be out of patience, right? Like you're a little bit older than guys that are in this situation, right? Like I, well, I can say yeah, that, I yeah. can say this part out loud. You know, maybe some of these guys have more opportunities to get contracts down the road than you do, right? Like. I would be a little bit more stressed, I feel like, if I were in your shoes. Kudos to you for not being, by the way, Cedric Mullins. <laughs> I would yeah, be losing I my the, mind. Uh, 
I think the stress relief just comes from, again, just controlling what I can control, which is preparing for whatever season, whatever the season foretells and uh, being ready to go and have a tremendous one regardless. And let me wrap with this. How important is it to you, you know, having been through everything that you've been through in this system, this opportunity to be a part of what's coming next for the Baltimore Orioles and knowing how this rebuild has gone and knowing the pieces that are coming behind you in this system, how significant is it for you for the future being a part of however this is going to pay off for the Baltimore Orioles in the coming two to three years? Yeah, you know, when I sit back and, you know, I, I get the, the articles and the updates on the, the guys that are coming up, it's, it's very exciting. And, you know, uh, us as players on the team right now are trying to create that, that winning environment again. And, uh, you know, those guys could definitely help contribute to that. And we all know it. And, you know, it's, it's just a matter of when they're uh, ready to come up. And that time is coming up pretty soon. So we're, we're trying to create an atmosphere that they're comfortable with and they're uh, and they're able to come up and perform the best they can without feeling pressure. He is Cedric Mullins. At SedMull30 on Twitter is, of course, how you follow him. Cedric, remind me, what is it on Instagram? Uh, it's just under my name, Cedric underscore Mullins. Cedric underscore Mullins. And is there anywhere in particular that if people wanted to know more information, is there anybody that you've partnered up with that, that we should plug in, in regards to the fight with Crohn's? Uh as of right now, no. Okay, so all right. So I know there's going to be some moves made in the near future, uh, just not at this moment. Whenever no. that is, we promise we will help get the word out, man, because uh, it's it's really incredible it. incredible what you're doing. Cedric, really appreciate you taking a couple minutes for us, man. It's It's been such a joy um, knowing you and having these conversations and knowing what a good dude you are. It meant so much to see you become the the player that we all knew you had the opportunity to be, maybe even better, frankly, than what we knew you had the opportunity to be. Um, we can't wait to see you back out on the baseball field, hopefully sooner than later, and we're so glad that you're feeling better health-wise, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys. Cedric Mullins, uh, Baltimore Orioles outfielder, and, you know, it's, I, dude, I, and I mean that, right? I Getting on here and talking about things that are that personal, like, having blood in your urine there's no way that's an easy thing to do i you know he seems so comfortable talking about it at this point and understands the significance of it like understands what he's doing but there's no way that's easy there's no way it's an easy decision for him like i think we've all been through some things health-wise you know you and i are both getting up there we're not old obviously but you know what i mean we're not as young as we once yes we're not in our 20s any longer i'm not i'm barely in my 30s at this point um and you go through some things, and you're just like, I'd rather not talk about that, right? Like, they're just things that, that happen within your body that you're like, I know other people probably go through it, but there's a small group of people I might be willing to, to say that to. Yeah, as a man, you're you're kind of brought up to be like, uh, I am all that is man. You right. Know, you know what I mean? And, and so you don't want to show any kind of weakness, but this is something that's not your fault. You know, and it's something that you really need to grab the bull by the horns, and Cedric seems to have done that. And he's, I mean, look what he just did. You know, a year after being diagnosed with this, he's out there putting up a thir- the only 30-30 season in baseball. It's really remarkable it's how incredible. he attacked it head-on and had the best season of his career but after it, doing it, so. It, it's so important to me. It's one thing that, you know, he was doing all those things while while dealing with Crohn's. Mm-hmm. It's It's far more important to me that he says, I get it. I need to talk about it. 
if somebody reaches out and asks me if, you know, if those dopes over there, you know, Glenn and Paul reach out and say they want to talk about it, I need to use that platform. Mm -hmm. I need Absolutely. to use that opportunity. And if it means I got to tell more people about, you know, pissing blood, that's what I have to do. I have to do that because I understand that someone else is going through something silently right now, and I don't want them to have it turn out for the worst. Mm -hmm. I want them to go see a doctor. I want them to go do something about it. That can't possibly be easy. There's just no way that that's something that's easy to do. And I'm grateful. I, I truly appreciate Cedric um, you know, taking the, the time this morning and chatting about it. I know he's been doing other interviews and... Um, it's important, man. It's really, really important. I said, I'm, I'm ashamed of the fact that it took me seeing Cal Ripken get cancer yeah. to say, oh yeah, I should probably go get a physician because I haven't had one in over a decade. Right. I'm, I'm embarrassed by that, but I talked about it because I want somebody else to say, hey, I should go get checked out too. We should, even when we think we're fine, and again, we are in that way. We're men, right? We just sort of think that, like, we know. We know. I'm not going to go see a doctor. I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't need to go see a doctor. I'll know when I need to go see a doctor. I'll know when something's wrong with me. I say that all the time. Something's wrong with me. I don't need somebody to tell me what's wrong with me. I know what's wrong with me. I know. And, you know, I don't want to have to go see a doctor about it. I just want to go get a prescription or whatever. Got to be willing. Got to be willing to go see a doctor. Got to be willing to go through that. Thank you to Cedric Mullins. Really appreciate him taking the time for us this morning. All right. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, Bo Smolka is going to join us in a bit. I would like to know this morning um, what it is that you would like to hear from Eric DaCosta. What, what's the question that, you know, you're given one tomorrow. What's the answer that you want to know? And somebody might say, well, he's not going to answer it honestly anyway. I hear you. I hear you. But engage me with this anyway. What's the question that you want answered? I'd like to know that at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. It is a Thursday edition of GCR. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms 
Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com the latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Smoky Thigh Wings at Glory Days Grill. 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 GloryDaysGrill.com. All right, now moving on. I think I think I said everything I needed to say there. I think I made my point. I think everybody can uh, understand what it is uh, that I was. Uh, Sounds like lunch today. Uh, it does sound like that would be really pleasant. All right, um, a few things uh, as we get ready. Bo Smolka is going to join us here at the top of the hour. From Tom. Tom says, uh, "Glenn, uh, have you watched any of the Olympics yet? How much do you think you'll watch?" I feel. I try to say this. I don't. I don't like saying this because. I don't like being sort of that guy on Twitter, but it is always kind of humorous to me when we get to the Winter Olympics and like NBC tries to like push it as the Olympics are coming. I'm like, yeah, not really. Like these these are Olympics in quotes. If if it happens to be on, like unfortunately because of of the, the Olympics being in Asia, it's it's terrible timing. If there was a a a women's hockey game being played. Um, at a time where it was convenient for me to watch it, if it was happening at 10 o'clock at night, I was trying to look at their schedule. I would absolutely watch that. I think the women's hockey tournament is unbelievably compelling. Unfortunately, I don't think the men's hockey tournament is unbelievably compelling because, you know, who are these players? It, it's sort of mostly how I felt about the baseball being back at the Olympics last summer. Like, cool, I guess, but, like, what is the tournament? It's... You're not determining who's the best country at playing baseball because none of these are the best players. 
And that's what they use the World Baseball Classic for. Well, they don't, for all due respect, those aren't the best players either. There's some of them, a few of them, and in other countries, there's more of a priority. The the team the team that goes and shows up at the World Baseball Classic, one, it's a farce too. The pitchers aren't actually pitching. They'll go for like three innings because they're ramping up for the start of a season. Mm-hmm. It's not. There is no event that determine that can determine who's the best because you're not doing the things that you would do in a real baseball competition. The idea that the World Baseball Classic, which I get it, has produced some fun moments and is sort of a neat exhibition thing, but even trying to pretend like that's a real competition, it's it's a farce. Your 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 pitchers are allowed to pitch like forty pitches during the course of those games. You're not actually trying to determine who's the best. You're trying to do whatever you can in order to get a competition that looks like something on television. When is the next World Baseball Classic? Because the last one was five years ago. Yeah, well, it was supposed to be. I want to say. 2021, but the pandemic, that it wasn't going to happen. Right. I don't know when they're going to do it again. Not Certainly not a concern for me. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. It's fine. It's fine if you accept what it is. If you try to believe that it's a real thing, it's not. that's nonsense. It's not a real thing. It's a silly exhibition that's better than watching uh, spring training baseball games. It's definitely better than that. There's no doubt that it's definitely better than watching spring training games. Unquestionably, it provides more excitement for the start of baseball season than what you would get otherwise. I don't disagree with that. But trying to pretend like it's a legitimate international sporting competition, get the F out of here with that. It's not that. That's very clear. For some team sports, the Olympics can be that. For some, right? Like, obviously, basketball, you're legitimately sending, for the most part, the best athletes. I know there weren't quite as many um, last year because of the pandemic, but for the most part, when you get to the Olympics, legitimately the best basketball players in the world are going and representing each country. It's a legitimate sporting competition. The World Cup, very clearly, both men's and women's, and women's basketball too at the Olympics, those are the best athletes in the world that are participating. And representing their countries. And it is a legitimate sporting competition. 1,000%. You are determining who the best country is in the world at that particular sport. Unfortunately, baseball at the Olympics, not the case. It's a beer league tournament. You're not saying somebody won the gold medal in baseball at the Olympics last year. Is should be put in quotes. Like, yeah, you won the tournament that was played. And it was almost... I felt bad talking about it because, like, Eddie Alvarez was this great story, right? Like, wow, what an amazing story. Eddie Alvarez in no world deserved to be an Olympic baseball player. He's not only not one of the best baseball players in the world. He's not, like, in the second tier. You had to go down multiple tiers to figure out how Eddie Alvarez was an Olympic athlete. Uh, obviously, the Winter Olympics. What, what was he, a speed skater? Was that what he was? What was... I don't remember. You were asking the wrong dude. You're a baseball guy. This was a big baseball story. Um, I think he was a speed skater. He clearly deserved to make the Olympics because they have a, a competition. This was just picking some guys. This was just walking to a room like Matt Wieters was damn near on the team for the Olympics last summer. Very clearly, Matt Wieters in the year 2021, not one of the best baseball players in the world. By no means deserving of going and competing in that type of international competition. 
The same thing now for the men's ice hockey tournament. I, you just couldn't possibly get me to care, which is a bummer because I do like hockey. I'm into hockey. And when the NHL players were going to the Olympics, dude, I remember we were at the, I think we worked the combine one year, and Forrester and I were getting on an airplane the day of the gold medal game between the U.S. and Canada, and this was like Sidney Crosby playing for Canada and like the whole deal. I remember like us being glued. They were like, we're, they're boarding right now. Of course, we were flying Southwest. Of course, we were flying cheap. Um, Like, we probably had, like, A-level passes, and we were the last people to get on the plane because we did not want to take our eyes off of the television that had the hockey game on because it was that big of a deal. It was massive. I'd be all in if the NHL players were there. They're not. You couldn't get me to pay attention to the men's ice hockey tournament in the Olympics. There's just no way. It's not real. It's a fabricated event. It's... We'll send some guys. It's a beer league hockey tournament that they're playing at the Olympics. If the U.S. happens to do well and they're in it, like maybe I'll turn it on just out of, you know, I don't know, sheer interest, like sheer uh, wonder of of what it is that I'm looking at. But I I couldn't I couldn't possibly be invested in something that's not a legitimate sporting competition. And this is not a legitimate sporting competition. This is just Here's some random guys that we've chosen to represent the country. And no, somebody would say, well, that's what happened in 1980, and it produced the greatest moment in, in American sports history. To, to be fair, that's how I feel about baseball and the Olympics. I didn't watch one inning of baseball in the Olympics last year. I couldn't tell you who won the I gold think medal. I, I think I turned it on because the U.S. did do well and might have even won the gold medal now that I think about it. I think I turned it on late in the process because the U.S. was doing well, and I was like, man. I'll, I'll turn it on. I'll look. You know what I mean? Like, why not? But it was with no actual true interest. It was just out of sheer, this is what's on. The U.S. is doing well. I'll look at it type of deal. And that would be the same thing for the men's. If the men's Olympic ice hockey team made a run, I, I don't know how to compare it to who they were facing in 1980. It's it's tough for me to to try to understand and get a grip for why, despite the fact that it wasn't, NHL players, why it was such a big deal, and why I wouldn't feel that way at this point about this team winning a gold medal or competing for a gold medal. Well, all, all the teams that are that are playing, if you allowed NHL players to play, they would be all made up of NHL players. Now it's just even if you have that no, great story would, of oh, college, I think there would be some countries that don't have that many like, NHL players. Like but the teams yes. that are considered the best, like Russia, they, they they would you would conceivably have a bunch of NHL players. On that on that roster, and it would be a great story for the U.S. to have a bunch of college kids go in and play playing a hockey game, but they're still not playing the best players in the world. So it's you kind of feel like they're all on an even playing field there. Um, yeah, they are, but that doesn't make it any. It's it's arbitrary. There's no like you qualified through this, and that's how you became an Olympian. They just pick players. Mm-hmm. They just said these are the guys we're handpicking to go. Um, there's no rules to it. Some teams are using former NHL players that are no longer in the league. There's no rules. To ha- it's just an arbitrary group of players, and we're saying you're going to go represent the country. Mm-hmm. It, the competition itself might be very even, right? It might very well be that it, it creates sort of an even playing field for the competition. But what competition is it? I wouldn't watch the 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 50th best. Let um, me try to make a comparison. If somebody said. We're going to grab you um, a group of guys from the G League in the NBA, and we're going to send them into this competition. We're going to call them Team USA. 
I would have no interest in watching that. Right. Zero. None. No offense, unless I knew somebody who was part of the team. Like, if I had a friend who was on the team, I would probably watch. My cousin was playing basketball and representing the United States. I would watch it. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. Like, I'm not going to do that. Um, the women's tournament, however, very legitimate. Absolutely the best players in the world. There's no question about it. And the U.S. and Canada have had a great rivalry in, in women's hockey at the Olympics. Um, the U.S. beat Finland this morning. The All of the games in... Except for one, all the games in the preliminary round are at eight in the morning. So, like, I could have it on the background as I'm getting ready. I could probably watch it on my phone, and maybe I'll try to go out of my way. Um, the next games are Saturday and Sunday. They play Russia on Saturday, Switzerland on Sunday. Both of them are at eight ten a.m. You know, if when I wake up on Saturday, I'm going to try to remember. Hey, throw that on in the background, right? Like as I get ready for whatever it is that I'm doing, I will attempt to remember to do that because I do the women's tournament. I do think is awesome. And if I'm if I'm if I'm up when curling is on, I love curling. As you know, I'm an undefeated curling skip. I really embraced curling the last week. Curling is phenomenal. It's we literally fun. went curling. Uh, the, 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 this is Paul not knowing the history of the show. Um, you and Kyle I, went. Uh, I got a trophy around here. Some, where's my curling? What the hell happened to my curling trophy? I think it's out there. I, I know Kyle's profile picture is him curling. Well, it was it was a great day in our. We could not have had more fun. It was one of the most wonderful things that we've ever done. Was going curling where we kicked the snot out of uh, the boys at Section Three Thirty Six. Me, Kyle Proctor, and um, Matt Gettleman. We had a hell of a day. And oddly, I was the star of the day, despite the fact that I fell over every time I threw the stone. I was throwing just dimes all day long, but every time I threw it, I fell on the ice, uh, inevitably. Um, I'm an undefeated curl. I love curling. I'm not going to go out of my way. If somebody tells me, hey, tonight's the gold medal or tonight's the semifinals, then I'd probably go out of my way to watch it. It's more like a, if it's on, I'll watch. It's like watching the Cornhole Championships on ESPN2. I don't. I would never do that. Under any circumstances, I would never do that. No, no <laughs> offense. Axe throwing? No offense. I, I, I find, I, maybe having done it, curling's to me a sport. These are leisure activities. Mm-hmm. I do think curling is a legitimate sport. Um, the other things to me are leisure activities. I think curling is legit. I, I There are sports that I talk about all the time with the Summer Olympics that I'm just not into in general. Like, I'm not, I, you're not going to find me it's not because I don't want to. It's not because I don't like it. I'm just out of room to add more sports to my list for viewing or paying attention to during the course of the year. I, I can't add more volleyball into my life. I've run out of room. I've got kids. I've got, things, I've got jobs. I've got things I'm doing. I don't have time to spend more time watching volleyball. When the Olympics come around, I am geeked, geeked to watch volleyball because volleyball is an awesome sport. I love working volleyball. I love when I get the opportunity to call volleyball. Volleyball is tremendous. Love it. And it's a tremendous television sport. I just don't have room to get into it during the rest of the year, right? But the Olympics come around, I am up for it, man. The summer just also happens to be better, and there's not quite as many distractions typically. There's not quite as many other things going on, especially like, you know, when the Orioles aren't all that good, like, and you're, you're looking for something else to watch, the, the Olympics come at a perfect time. Uh, the Winter Olympics... It's going to be hard for me to choose to watch that over a big basketball game or something along those lines. It's just going to be very difficult for me to choose to watch. I, I'm not into skiing, watching it. It just doesn't so it you, doesn't do anything for me. I'm not into watching, I'm certainly not into watching figure skating. I'm not into watching, like, I, I, I respect what these athletes do. I think it's amazing. It's just not my thing. Speed skating, it's incredible what they're doing. 
I just don't get geeked up to sit down and watch speed skating. I think it's more difficult because we're not in a region where these sports are. If we if we lived in Minnesota, these would probably it, this would probably be a big deal. Actually, heck, half the athletes are from Minnesota. We might know all of them. Um, if we lived in Alaska, then this would probably be a big deal. Mm-hmm. We'd probably be super into cross-country skiing, and we'd be more interested in watching it. We used to go out skiing in Colorado or Utah every year when I was growing up, and so like I know how difficult it is to ski on, on mountains like that. So like my mom just te- just texted me, and she said that she watched the men's downhill mogul skiing, and one guy from the U.S. made the cut. What? That's something I'd be into because I know how difficult it is. I, but would you really sit there? Would it be anything I more than asked, yeah? Have you do you plan around it or no. if it it's happened, on, I watch it. If it happens to be on, you'd watch it, and that's sort of the way that I would take. The only thing I could find myself planning around would be the women's hockey tournament, as far as the Winter Olympics are concerned. That's the only thing I think I could sit down and say. Hey, now that I know it's at 8.10 on Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to do my best that when I wake up, I flip on the women's hockey games. And apparently the one against Canada, which really is the big one, that one is at 11 o'clock at night. And since I'm more of a lay down, uh, that's on Tuesday. Or it's on Mon- okay Monday night at 11 o'clock is the U.S.-Canada women's hockey game in the preliminary round. I will definitely be up and will stay up to watch that game. That's a big game. That matters, you know. I'll I'll be into that. But short of that, it's just I don't know that there's anything else that I'll plan around making sure that I'm watching during the course of the Winter Olympics. Today's show also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. If you use the code PRESSBOX when you make your first deposit with Underdog Fantasy Football, we will match it up to one hundred dollars. And while there is only one more football game to be played this season. You can still participate with Underdog playing baseball, playing if you know if they ever do play baseball, playing basketball, playing hockey, all of those things. They've got daily, weekly games. Plus, what they really have, you still can't bet on your phone here in the state of Maryland, but you can do it on the Underdog app by playing player props and parlays and things along those lines. You can feel like you're betting. It's not actually betting, but you can feel like you're betting with Underdog Fantasy Football. Again, underdogfantasy.com. Joining us now, he is our press box Ravens beat writer. He's Mr. Bo Smolka. He's back with us on GCR. What's going on, sir? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Two press conferences down, one to go for the Baltimore Ravens this week. I, I'm guessing there's probably a little bit more meat from John Harbaugh, so let's cover Mike McDonald quickly. What did we learn, if anything, structurally, schematically? What should we expect from a Mike McDonald defense? He was fairly vague on that point, and I think that's probably by design. I don't think he wants to come in and declare what he's going to do. He did indicate that he's, you know, he's intending to stay with many of the schemes and things that Wink Martindale had. Remember, Mike yeah, McDonald was here sense. for seven years, so right. he overlapped with Wink for three years. So he's aware of the schemes. He's well aware of them. He took some of them with him to Michigan. Um, so I think some of the things will stay the same. I mean. He talked about they're going to stay aggressive. I suspect they're going to keep using some sort of deception and disguise blitzes. Without an elite edge rusher, I don't know what choice you have. If you're going to try to blitz, you've got to find ways to get there. Now, we do know that the roster is going to turn over, and they're going to have to find some more players. But how it will look different, um, I don't think we really know that much. I I was struck yesterday watching that press conference just how, and I think one of the reporters in the room asked John about it, it honestly looked almost like a proud Papa and his son moment. I mean, Mike McDonald is 34 years old. Right. 
and is considered one of the high, you know, up-and-coming, high-ceiling young coaches in the league. And I think John Harbaugh looked just thrilled to have him back in the organization after losing him to Michigan for a year. Well, you know, there's the one thing that jumps out at me in, in moving on from Wink Martindale, and you and I talked about this uh, when we chatted last, which is I do think there's something to be said for the struggles with edge rushers, right, and and, and why it is that Yannick Ngakwe had a great season with the Raiders and was nothing in Baltimore and why Matt Judon was able to, you know, collect more sacks in New England than he did in Baltimore. Like, I don't I don't think that's something you can just dismiss, and I, I wonder – you know, if, if you're keeping the same structure, and of course, to your point, if you're hiring Mike McDonald and he came up learning from Wink Martindale, why, why wouldn't he be? And that's what he did at Michigan last season. It, would it be reasonable to think that that would be one area that, you're, you, that the Baltimore Ravens have to expect is going to improve, which is they need to create more dynamic edge rushers in the coming years? Oh, I definitely think that's true. And 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 you know, Mike McDonald, his edge rushers at Michigan thrived, and and now it's you know, I'm not easy to equate. Uh, how a guy will translate at the NFL level with the same schemes and totally different NFL offensive linemen and so forth. But clearly that was something that he, that worked for him at Michigan, and they will certainly be hoping for the same. Let's face it, this team has a lot of other issues, though. They need to, First of all, they need to become better tacklers. They need to find ways to generate more takeaways. And Mike McDonald was specifically asked about Patrick Queen, and I think he's one of the keys to this whole thing. Remember, this was their number one draft pick a couple years ago. And they expected him to be the, become the heart of that defense. And that hasn't happened. Um, it still might. And, and will he be the middle linebacker, you know, running everything, wearing the green dot, calling all, making all the calls, mm. just totally leading that defense? That's what they expected Patrick Queen to become. And he hasn't been that. And he's been better, actually, as a weak side linebacker. And Mike McDonald was asked yesterday specifically about Patrick Queen. And he said, well, we're not sure yet where he'll play. We think he'll be a success wherever he plays and so forth. But Patrick Queen, I think, is one of the guys that when Mike McDonald comes in and he knows Patrick Queen because he was here with him, yep. that's, I think, one of the key guys they need to get more out of. Bo, um, obviously the, the press conference on Monday was with John Harbaugh. And, again, I don't know that we learned – you know, a lot of things that were particularly meaty in there. I know there was a lot of parsing of what he said about Greg Roman. I I, I, I guess looking back on it, he was just sort of trying to protect himself and say, hey, you never know. Um, I, I pointed out yesterday that I think there were a lot of people that were like, uh, you know, well, he didn't really defend Greg Roman necessarily. He just sort of said we're planning on bringing him back. I'm not sure what you're supposed to say in these circumstances, right? Like, he's the offensive coordinator. He's the guy. We think we had a pretty good offense last year. The the numbers say we did, right? They're the number six offense in the NFL. Why would I need to defend that guy and why he's going to continue doing his job here in Baltimore just because fans are in a hubbub? I think that's somewhat true, although I think if you go back, <clears throat> and to be clear, I haven't done this, but just taking it from memory, after the early playoff losses and Greg Roman was kind of you know pilloried in town here for those early losses, now the offense didn't do much, I felt like John Harbaugh's defense of Greg Roman was much more aggressive at that time than this one. I thought he was he was it was more muted this time, but he did come out and say, "Hey, we've been we've we've done some great things here in three years with this offense." So I think that was true. Um, the fact that it was early in the process was he said, "Oh, it's early in the process. We think he's going to be back." That was kind of a little bit of strange, but. Um, I, we talked last week. What do the Ravens want to be on offense? If they want to be this kind of run-first, RPO, Lamar Jackson-led, deceptive offense, then 
Greg Roman is their guy. And it seems to me, without making a change there, that that's what they are continuing to want to be. The other thing I'll say about, you know, what struck me about this press conference was, and I don't know if this is fair or what, but John Harbaugh was asked at one point about the blitzing and how much trouble right. Lamar Jackson had with the blitzing. And right. and he was clear, uh, John Harbaugh said, look, it was really not so much about Lamar Jackson. We had just poor execution. We had, we, we had receivers run the wrong routes. We didn't have protection, didn't hold up long enough, this and that. It always seemed that it was something other than Lamar Jackson. They seemed very reluctant to place blame at Jackson's feet, and I'm not sure why, because Lamar Jackson didn't play well in that stretch. But no they don't. No one wants to say that. Um, but that was that was something that struck me was when he was specifically asked about struggles with his cover blitz, cover zero blitz. There were a lot of reasons that John Harbaugh mentioned, and none of them were Lamar Jackson, and that, I found that kind of striking. It's interesting. Bo Smolka, Press Box Ravens beat writer, is with us here in GCR. And, and, and you're right about that, Bo, and looking back on it. And I, I think you and I have talked before that like, I, I, I know more often than not, John tries to be defensive of players and, and tries not to throw players under the bus or anything along those lines. And I'm, I'm sure we could pull out a couple of examples of times where he ended up – that he did – um, and, and I don't know if, if it's just nothing more than that, just a continuation of him n- not wanting to be someone who criticizes players publicly because he's got to go face them and, and have conversations. He doesn't want to create strained relationships. But, you know, to your point of, you know, if you're asked about it, we've got to be willing to say, hey, the plays are there to be made, right? Like, you know, you can criticize Greg Roman all you want. We've gone back and watched the film. There were receivers open for Lamar Jackson to throw the football to on the majority of those plays and he just didn't make the throws. And at some point, you know, that's that's not on. The, the, you can't blame the offensive coordinator for that when the plays are there to be made. That's yeah, true. And and, and I, sometimes he will – I've heard John Harbaugh at times, you know, in a veiled way sometimes, publicly challenge a player. And you can figure out what he's doing there. And sometimes right. – and that's part of coaching, right? You try to find ways to push the buttons of your players. And, no, you don't want to – you certainly don't want to alienate or anger your franchise quarterback, and it's it's it is definitely a delicate dance he has to perform there. Um, the other thing that struck me about that press conference, and and it's no surprise really, as as we get ready to the Super Bowl, that John Harbaugh acknowledged that look the the balance of the power in this division has shifted to Cincinnati. Sure, and as he said, Cincinnati's the champ, and we know that they're coming in as the next year as the AFC North champ. They deserve it. They're well built, and we need to build a roster that can. They said we first want to win a build a roster that can win our division. And in the two games against Cincinnati this year, they looked a long way from that. Now, yep. granted, they went to Cincinnati with a totally decimated defense, but they went one in five against the AFC North this year. And I think that's the thing that's going to stick in this craw of this coaching staff and ownership, frankly, for that matter, all year. They went one in five against the AFC North, so. They have a lot of work to do, but but clearly the balance of power in the division has definitely shifted to Cincinnati. Bo, tomorrow morning Eric DaCosta will hold his end-of-season press conference at 10 a.m. I, I assume that like the the headline that will come out of it will be whatever he will say about John Har- or sorry about the Lamar Jackson's contract situation, but I'm also sort of guessing he's probably not going to say all that much directly about it. I think you're correct on both counts. I mean, it, let's face it, it is the number one storyline for this team until something happens. Yep. And 
I believe it will become a distraction over the course of the year because ultimately Lamar Jackson will probably be asked about it frequently. John Harbaugh will be asked about it frequently, and he'll say, that's a great question for Eric when you talk to him. And then, of course, they don't let us, let us talk to Eric, so we right, can't talk to him. Right. The other thing I think that's a notable thing to ask him, and I'm sure he'll be asked about, is the deal with Marquise Brown, who has a fifth-year option that is due this spring that would cost the team roughly 12 to $13 million. Do they plan to pick that up? Do they think Marquise Brown is a $13 million receiver? Um, are they trying to work out a long-term extension with him that would lower that number? Or, but, or, or will they just let him play out his fifth year or let him play out his contract and move on from him? I think he's a really – Lamar Jackson could happen any time in the next whatever amount of time, but the Marquise Brown situation has to be done by the first week of May. They have to decide whether they will pick up the option or not pick up the option. And then you wonder, well, if they don't pick up the option – What's Mark? Where's Marquise Brown head going into next year? Mm-hmm. Or you know, there's so that I think is an interesting one to see how he how he answers that. But I, mean, I want to talk a little bit about that, and 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 let's just sort of lay the foundation on a couple other guys at this point because I know you wrote about Bradley Bozeman recently. But I, let me start with Marquise Brown because I, I that that part of this conversation has always been strange to me. I, that's not an overwhelming amount of money to pay to a wide receiver, right? I think there's a different conversation about. You know, based on his production, and I, you know, for what he hasn't been, and and I get that's part of the frustration from Ravens fans is knowing who some of the other receivers that were taken were uh, that year. For what he hasn't been, he has been a very productive football player. He has worked well with Lamar Jackson. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen million dollars for a wide receiver is not overwhelming money at this point in the NFL. I, I also don't know why you wouldn't just pick it up and say, well, hey, if we if we don't plan to have him around long term, it would also buy us another year to have the opportunity to try to trade him and recoup value from someone who has a little bit more cap space. I, I just can't come up with the reason why you wouldn't be picking up the fifth-year option for Marquise Brown. I, I mean, that's a fair argument. And in point of fact, let's say you don't pick it up. And let's say you decide, you know what, we're just going to move – we're going we're gonna, to – move on from him later. Well, you're going to, let's say you're going to draft that you're going to take a free agent wide receiver at some number of millions of dollars. So you're not going to save 12 million. You might save some difference of that. So I get that. And I don't think you can discount the relationship between Jackson and Brown in the course of evaluating everything. I mean, these two guys are best friends. They do everything together off the field. And so uh, if you want your quarterback to have his main guy, that, I think that I think that has to weigh well, in the equation with a limit to that, right, Bo? Like I don't I don't think that they'll decide that Marquise Brown is worth twenty million dollars a year because he's friends with Lamar Jackson, right? Like I don't think that's something they would do. But to the extent of you know, is it is if we really you know, and we've heard this before famously from the Baltimore Ravens, we want the player at our price. If they think he's a ten million dollar wide receiver, but the tag costs thirteen million dollars, or for the the fifth year option costs thirteen million dollars for one year that might be the type of thing that I do think can make a difference in that situation. Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair way to I think that's a good way to put it. Yep. So so I, that's one that you know, again, I think there is a bigger question about long term with Marquise Brown, right? And if you're not going to sign him, at what point are you best suited to explore what you could get for him on the trade market and how you could maximize that value? I do think that's that's a very fascinating thing, but the flip side of that being you know, it's the Baltimore Ravens and wide receivers. You know, like how much faith do you have in what they're going to do? I, I've I've compared it, Bo, to the Cleveland Browns with Baker Mayfield. Like I get why everybody else in the NFL says there's no way you can pay Baker Mayfield. He's just not worth that type of money. 
But if you're Cleveland and it ain't Baker Mayfield, who's it going to be? Because we've seen who all the other quarterbacks were. He is by far the best they've had. It, there's no comparison. Like, he's overwhelmingly better than anything they've had. If you're the Ravens and it's not Hollywood Brown, I know we're all excited about Rashad Bateman, but he hasn't proven himself yet to be a high-level receiver in the NFL. If you don't have Hollywood Brown on your football team, what is it that you're doing at the wide receiver position long term? No, and, and, and with Brown and Bateman, if you, you know, Bateman has a slow start after the groin surgery, but he showed a little I, bit, and, and there's I, promise there. Yeah, no question. If you do have them and Mark Andrews, let's face it, just starting with those two and Mark Andrews, you feel like you have a better group than the Ravens have had in a while. I mean, I don't know, because it's always been this scramble to find receivers, right? Yep. I mean, yeah, they bring in Steve Smith, they bring in Anquan Bolden, they draft Torrey Smith, they have a couple, they fill in a Macklin or they, whatever, you know. So finally, they're they're putting resources into receivers. This is two first-round picks in three years. Um, and so it looks like they finally, you know, the argument was always, well, we got, we got to give Lamar Jackson players to work with to build this passing game and in brown and in bateman they've basically done that so again if you if you do move on from brown what what's replacing him i think that's one of the questions they have to ask uh bo is there any scenario by which you see either bradley bozeman or patrick ricard back with this football team next year i would be more surprised with bozeman still surprised with ricard uh, Bozeman, I think, just, I mean, he's a center. Every team uses a center. Not every team uses a fullback. Right. There's a, there's um, a the deeper market. The Ravens do. Yeah. What's that? There's a deeper market is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, so I think, I think Bozeman will find a deeper market. There would be more suitors for Bozeman. Um, Ricard, it, it always comes down to the price and, and what you want versus what the team is willing to give. And, you know, if both of those players can go to the open market, and John Harbaugh said at this point he anticipates their free agents to hit the market. That's just what happens. If, if deals aren't done now, it's not often they're done with a month of free agency and, and players and their agents say, look, let's, let's take a look and see what's out there. You can always come back here, but let's see what's out there. Um, and I think if for a player that has to be kind of an exciting time and a little bit nerve-wracking time, but certainly an exciting time, I think Bozeman will draw plenty of interest. I think Ricard will draw interest, but there just won't be as many teams looking for that position. Yeah. Um, so I would give Ricard a little better chance to come back, but uh, um, probably still, un definitely I would say unlikely for Bozeman and probably unlikely for Ricard. So with that in mind, and we'll wrap with this, Bo, um, it, it, if you had to draw it out today, who is this team's center in week one of the 2022 season? <laughs> That's a great question. That's a really good question because um, let's say they, you know, I know a lot of guys, a lot of people are mocking this Iowa center to them yeah, in the Lindenbaum. first round. Yeah. Um, well, would he become a week one starter? John Harbaugh doesn't often have guys become week one starters. Now C.J. Mosley did, and some of his first round draft picks will be. Um, Tristan Colon, it could, might be Patrick McCary, right? If, they, if, if he's not needed at tackle, they, they, they signed him, they gave him an extension, they expect him to play somewhere. Um, so if I had to bet, I would say week one, it would probably either be Cologne or McCary. And then week four, if they draft the first round center, I would, I would expect that person to be in there, but they've never drafted a center in the first round before. And, uh, you know, but it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's, 
it's all the fascinating kind of roster building puzzle that they have to do. I just the McCarry thing is so interesting to me. Like you, you found an answer at right tackle. Like he was, he he wasn't you know respectable. He was he was a really good right tackle. Well, I just don't know why you're messing with that now, right? Like you've got an answer there. Leave it alone and go solve your other problems at that point. Like man, I just I, that's fascinating to me. All right, uh, Bo, uh, remind everybody what you got coming up at PressBoxOnline.com and remind everybody about the podcast as well. Yep, so uh, for the next print issue of uh, PressBox, and tomorrow we'll be writing, we'll be writing about the Dukats Press Conference, but sure. in the next print issue we'll be running down, we'll be talking about Mike McDonald and who he is and how this kind of wonder can end up back in Baltimore as a 34-year-old NFL defensive coordinator. He's, he's a neat story. You know, he was planning to be out of coaching altogether. Um, had had a job offer lined up with KPMG, actually had signed a contract, and then basically said, oh, I'm going to got a call from Jerry Rosberg and this, well, was offered a coaching internship here for the 2014 season. He called KPMG back and said, you know what, I got this coaching bug in me. I don't want to be 40 years old wondering what would have happened if I had chased it. So he chased it, and look where he is now. That's so remarkable. the print issue next month will be about Mike McDonald, and then we'll have more about to cost up the Ravens podcast is on the Believe Podcast Network. That's B L E A V. Um, Daniel Wilcox, former Ravens tight end, is on it with me. We did one uh, wrapping up the season last week, and um, after the DaCosta press conference tomorrow, we'll have one next week, kind of parsing what he has to say. Great. At B Smolka on Twitter is how you follow him. Bo Smolka, appreciate it as always, my friend. We'll talk again very soon. All right. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bo Smolka, Press Box Ravens, Ravens beat writer. He was also the author of our cover story this month uh, on the best of issue of Press Box, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Any of those hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box, read it all. Pressboxonline.com slash best of. He wrote about our Mogaba Sports Person of the Year, Justin Tucker. You can still get that, but we are, as Bo alludes to, we are in the final days Probably still a week and a half or so, but that'll be available for our next print issue of PressBox Hits Newsstands. So go pick that up right now. Uh, from Ryan, Ryan says, Glenn, understanding what you're saying about the Winter Olympics, it just doesn't feel the same way. I've often wondered why they didn't try to move some sports that maybe get lost in the shuffle in the summer. Why does everything have to be a snow or ice-related sport in order to call it the Winter Olympics? Ryan, I, I don't know enough about this process. Like, if your point is, hey, basketball's a winter sport, like, why wouldn't you play at the Winter Olympics? Well, that's pretty easy. The NBA is not going to pause their season for it. Like, the NBA is very happy with the idea that it gets attention to basketball during a time where there wouldn't otherwise be attention to basketball, and that maybe gets a few more people globally to tune in for the NBA when the NBA starts back up. If the the NHL had no interest in participating in the Winter Olympics, COVID was a you know, a way for them to get out of it this year, right? They didn't want their players going back. Some of the players really did want to play, and they were very bothered by it, but the NHL did not want to go back to the Olympics. Um, they don't want to pause their season. They don't want to run the risk of injury. They don't want to do any of those things. The NBA would not, period, point, point. They, full stop. They would say, you want to move basketball to being a winter Olympic sport? You're going to be doing it without us. And so it's just not going to happen. So what other sport would they move? Like what other winter, summer Olympic sport would make sense to be a winter Olympic sport. Maybe you could argue volleyball. That would be actually a very good argument, indoor volleyball, that you keep beach volleyball at the Summer Olympics and you do indoor volleyball at the Winter Olympics. I'd absolutely listen to that argument. There's no reason. I, 
somebody would tell me about the calendar for volleyball during the course of the year and why it couldn't be done. I don't know, man. There's there's nobody that's making so much money playing volleyball that it wouldn't be well suited to say, hey, we can get a bit more attention to the volleyball tournament when it's during an Olympics that's not quite as congested as a Summer Olympics typically is, right? So I think that would be a great argument for a sport that you could move over from the Summer Olympics to the Winter Olympics, generate some more interest in, and and it would go well. Yeah, The theory of not every Winter Olympic sport needs to be a snow or an ice sport, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that would be well served for the Olympics in order to do that. It might be that volleyball says, well, hell, nobody's watching the Winter Olympics. We don't want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of the Summer Olympics. I think you could create a big fish, small pond situation, however, if you were to do it. I think that would be a good one. So it's an interesting thought, Ryan. And Chris says, uh, Glenn, as far as the Miracle on Ice was concerned, that had a lot to do with who that Soviet team was. It was loaded with top guys. Um, it, it's not the type of thing that could be replicated in 2022. I, I mean... I don't know. Maybe somebody that really understands hockey would say this is essentially the same equivalent, right? That's the, kind of what I was saying the, the, a little bit the, earlier. Well, but the guys that the U.S. sends are as second or third tier as the guys they sent in 1980 mm-hmm. in comparison to whoever's playing for the Russian team. I just don't know. I don't know who's playing for the Russian team. I don't know where the Russian Olympic Committee, whatever, because they're, they're not allowed to call Russia. they they got to use some other goofy thing because Russia got banned from the Olympics but isn't really banned. Um I don't I don't know enough to know that. I don't know. And I and I, I you know, as much as I understand the story of the Miracle on Ice team, you know, read the books, watched the movies, the whole deal, I was not alive in 1980. I was born 3 years later, so I can't speak to how it captured the hearts and minds of the country at that point and whether or not that would be something that could happen again in 2022. My gut is no. I just don't sense any interest whatsoever in this Olympic men's Olympic hockey tournament in this country. And I don't think there's anything they could do that would make people. If if they were going for a gold medal, I think people would tune in because it would be the United States going for a gold medal in a sport. I, I think people would say, yeah, that's interesting, but there would be a limit to it. I just think there would be a limit to the amount of interest that people would have in something like that. All right, so when we come back in, Andrew Stecka is going to join us. He lost our picks contest, so we're going to shame him over that. And I don't know what else we'll cover with Stecka, but we'll cover some other things because he's our buddy. Uh, we'll do that next. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest issue of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. We continue along on a Thursday edition of the program. Um, I had somebody forward me a tweet. I'm not going to give this guy his name any attention. There's a, a TV news person in San Antonio, and he said the following. He said, I know a guy who paid $1,400 for tickets so his kid could see his hero, Steph Curry. It's the second time Steph has come to San Antonio and didn't play. It's NBA reality, but it's wrong. For example, MJ played 14 full seasons, all 82 games in nine of those, 81 in another. Man up. The shame about this tweet is that there is a point to be made and it's lost because this human being, who again, I'm not going to give any attention to, is a clown. Imagine using the term man up ever in your life, not ironically. Like, you want to do it as a joke, like, come on, dude, sack up, we're going to go, like, you want to do it as a joke with your boys, that's one thing. Thinking that you get to govern what makes someone a man, imagine doing that unironically. Imagine how embarrassing of a human you are if you think that's something you can do. I govern what proves someone is a man, so you're not man enough. Man up. If you don't realize that makes you an embarrassing human, and you almost certainly don't, I'm, I'm here to let you know that today. If you unironically use the term man up, you're an embarrassing human being. Your family should be embarrassed by you. Your friends should be embarrassed by you. Everyone who knows you should be embarrassed by you. You're embarrassing. And the sad part about it is, if this person had approached it from a different perspective there would be some relevance to what he was saying, which is it's not great for the NBA, for the product as a whole. It's not great that they don't have their star players playing in so many games and that they should try to do things to prioritize having their star players on the court more frequently. I don't necessarily blame... um, Someone for mad. Nobody owes it. Steph Curry does not owe it to anyone to play in any basketball game. He is not, um, you know, someone who should should dance for his dinner. 
He doesn't owe it to this person or their children or anyone to play in any particular game. And even if the NBA didn't, you know, NBA teams didn't do this sort of load management concept, even if that wasn't the case, there was always going to be a risk that someone gets hurt and misses a game. Again, when you purchase your tickets, you accept certain risks. And it sucks. I spent a lot of money on tickets to what was supposed to be Cal Ripken's final baseball game in New York. And then 9-11 happened. And it wasn't his final game anymore. And there was nobody I could go to to get my money back for those tickets. I was stuck with them. That was a risk that I took. It's just the reality of the circumstances. Steph Curry does not owe it to anyone to say, I'm specifically going to play in this game because you paid $1,400 for your tickets. But it is a problem for the NBA in general. It's not good for the league to have games that are being marketed as national television broadcasts and then you get to the game itself and the players that matter aren't playing in the game. It's not good. It's not good to try to market, come see Steph Curry play on Wednesday night in D.C. We know, Lord, Lord knows there's no actual D.C. fans to go to the games. Come see Steph Curry play, and then Steph Curry's not in the game. Come see whoever it is, Kevin Durant, James Harden, whoever it is that you're marketing, Giannis, and then you get to that game, it's the back end of, of uh, you know, two nights in, or two games in two nights, and they're not playing. It's not a good thing for the league, and there's a way to have that conversation and have it be relevant that doesn't come off as embarrassing as man up. I'm Steve Stevenson. I'm owed you doing this. No, you're an embarrassing human being. You offer nothing to society in this way. I mean, I hope you do other things that are wonderful. I hope you raise money and go serve at food kitchens and do all those things. But I'm not going to tell you who the person is because I'm not going to give them attention. Um, That's embarrassing. But it's a bummer that it's embarrassing because his story would otherwise be interesting, would otherwise be something that could be shared as a topic of conversation. Hey, I'm just putting it out there. I realize Steph Curry doesn't owe me or anyone anything, but I happen to know someone who paid $1,400 for tickets because their kid wanted to see their basketball hero play basketball. It seems like this is a problem that the NBA should deal with. Yes. Yes. Can they do anything to fix it? I don't know. These teams want to win championships, and they've decided the best thing they can do to win championships is consider load management. So does moving the games further out from each other, extending the season, would the players go for that? I mean, it feels like by the time the NBA championship is over, they start basketball season a month later anyway. Maybe not as much as hockey. Hockey definitely feels like it ends and then it starts up right again. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if it can be solved, but the conversation is relevant. It'd be an interesting anecdote to add to the conversation if you didn't double it down by being embarrassing and throwing out, man up. My God, using that term, man up. What's wrong with people? All right. Um, this guy, we normally do picks on Thursdays, but the uh, picks are done for the year, which is good news for him because he wasn't very good at it. He is our friend Andrew Stick, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, pal? How are you? You're not going to tell me to man up and eat man- a tarantula, are you? Yeah, man, well, you, you don't have to. I don't have to tell you to man up. You just have to do it. <laughs> That's just yeah, the reality of the exactly. circumstances. Uh, brother, I look at uh, how we did this season. And there's one game left. So Kyle and I are currently both nine games over 500. 
KZ finished five games over 500. Proctor finished seven games under 500, so that's a little embarrassing. But you know, we certainly between the, the three of us that finished over 500, um, we we uh, we took care of that. The hell happened to you this year? Like what? What? I, I I get it. We're all guessing. I've said this before. Anybody who wants to say they're really good at making picks, what you're saying is I'm good at guessing because that's all that making picks is. It's just guessing. There's a reason Vegas sets lines. But this is a statistical anomaly unlike anything I've seen in some time. How in God's name did you finish 23 games under 500? It's it's incredible, man. The first seven weeks, I went back and looked, the first seven weeks of the season, I went four and five every week. And then I went, you know, I threw in like a five and four here and there. But most weeks it was four and five or three and six. It wasn't like I was having, you know, one or two win weeks. Um, it was just, I mean, I had a couple of those, those in there. I think I had one, like one and eight week or something, but most of them were just the four and five type of weeks. And that's obviously not good enough. Um, but it's funny, you know, I joked with you as the season kind of went on that like about halfway or three quarters of the way through the season, I actually started making picks with you guys on, you know, Wednesday night into Thursday morning when you guys read them off. And then by the time Sunday rolled around, I had changed opinions on certain things and actually started betting against what my picks were and making a little bit of money toward the tail end of the season. Um, and funny how that went. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of the way it worked out. Yeah. It was bizarre. Uh, by the way, Esteka went 23 games under 500, and that's with a 6-0 and close to the season. <laughs> He's won his last yeah, six I've games been... to get to 23 games under 500. Yeah, I've been hot in the playoffs. I've yeah. been, you know... He was bit. seventy-two and one hundred and one as of two weeks ago. He was seventy-two and one hundred and one. It's a staggering thing, but that's the way that it goes. All right. So, what's your timeline? When are you coming in here? When are is first of all, is it confirmed that Mrs. Stecka is going to be the one who chooses to wax your back? Is that is that going to be a thing? I'm fairly certain she wants to. Um, I, I have to double check with her. We're, I, we're looking at probably sometime in May or June would be my guess. Okay. All right. All right. Um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make arrangements. You're not gonna you're not I gonna try to de- you're not gonna try to delay it a year and use the excuse of a no. global pandemic, are you? You're not gonna try to do that. Oh God, why? There's some chicken why, ass why stuff I, that you pulled once before. Like that. that was no, real. No, this no, coward no. over here is like, I can't fly. There's a pandemic going on. I'm like, <laughs> like they don't make cars, Stetka. Like I haven't yeah, driven exactly. from Arizona, Maryland, multiple times in my life. Is like this I haven't a man done up that. Situation. It's a man up, man up. Get in your car and drive. Drive is what you would say there. Um, so you're gonna you're 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 saying you're gonna be here at some point, likely early summer, in order to do this. Yeah, that's that's the goal. I'm hoping to pair it with a you know a baseball game if they decide to play those. Yeah, this year, I'm not we'll I'm see. not feeling so confident about that. Yeah, I'm we'll not, see. We'll I'm see about feeling that. Feeling an extreme <laughs> amount of confidence. They put the, they they had, they sent me an email today that single game tickets were available for presale, and I said, yeah. Like, I I get why you have to do this. Like I'm not criti- I want to make that very clear. I'm not criticizing the Orioles for sending that out. It's just butt awkward. It's so awkward when you see that go out. Like, yeah, okay. Okay. Like last sure. year when they sent it out while we were still we were still I, I, in the pandemic, By the way, but... I still don't know what happened to my opening day tickets from 2020. Like I still have no idea if I ever got money back for them you or get a, uh, if, if I if you haven't taken the money back, you get a credit. I, I don't, where do I find it? Like, I don't know where to find my credit in order to – I, ne- I have no idea what happened Call the to Orioles. my opening day. Oh, they, I think they stuck it in those seats that they removed. In Probably the case. Exactly right. Yeah, good news. You can buy a ticket or you can buy a part of this seat. 
correct. Um, all right, so you're going to come in. You're going to do that. How are you feeling about it in comparison to the last penalty that you had to pay? So for those that don't know, Stecka's penalty is he has to get his back waxed. He has to eat. I mean, he's got to sing the hero song from Spider-Man, but that's just for funsies. And he's got to Yeah, I mean, that's, one, that's actually one of my karaoke jams. Correct. It's one that, that you normally turn to right? when you're out on Thursday night. You go over to a Regano's in Scottsdale. You're like, pump that Chad Kroger, man. Chad Kroger and saliva. Uh, it's, it's not saliva. It's, it's the guy the from, guy from I don't, saliva. I just don't know his name. Uh, Josie... Josie Scott is his Josie name. Scott, I actually, that's it. I legitimately only know that because of the song. He can save us. Um, and then he's got to consume a tarantula. The last time you had to pay a penalty, you had to do consistent shots of tuna fish and sardine juice. I I feel like this one, as weird as it is, I don't know that I would feel as bad about it as the last one. No. So the the, the tuna and sardine juice was was awful and it was especially awful because it was you know as someone who has a man who has some some beard some facial hair action oh yeah uh, it was all up in there the yeah right the yeah. yeah um i actually went golfing after that and you know was was still smelling it on the 14th hole like it was ridiculous yep um the the back waxing i actually have no problem with i've never had my back waxed but I, that doesn't there's no fear for that for me. But the, for those the that don't know, the reason why we're doing the back waxing is because Mrs. Stecka says you need your back waxed. Well, I mean, that's, you, she suggested that as the penalty, yeah. Before, well, I mean, before she started. seemed to want it to be the case. She seemed to want you to have to get your back waxed here. And 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 fair enough. I that that doesn't really scare me as much. I'm could sure you, it'll, could you, you send know. a picture of your back so we know what we're working with? Could you send me a picture of your back so I know what I'm looking at? I, I can. I can. I mean, yeah, come on. It's 2022. I'm not asking you for uh, you know to farve this. I'm not asking you to send me a, a a Brett Favre shot. I'm looking for a picture of your back. I'm Gary Stein said yeah. out here in his underpants one day and posed. I'm sure picture. we can arrange something. I would um, like it if you would do the, that, so I know what I'm looking at. The tarantula. I'm. I, I hadn't really thought about the tarantula until a few weeks ago when it was when it was certain that that this was happening and. It does while it doesn't make me as nervous as the tuna and sardine juice did. I'm still a little bit. There's some texture stuff with that where I'm a little concerned and and wondering how that's going to go. But I, you know, it is what it is. I'm going to get it. It's not like that's something that's not made to be edible. Like it's it's you know, those those products are made to. Yes, correct. People well. are supposed to eat them, which is very weird to me. I did that. I I lost whatever bet it was that, that required me to eat the. Uh, the hell were those bugs that I had to eat? Like I had to eat the a crickets. whole the crickets. Yes, I had to eat a whole thing of chocolate crickets. Chocolate covered crickets. Not chocolate covered. No, oh. they were. Um, no, they were like chili lime. Yeah, they were. They were. This is apparently a thing. Like like if you go to a Seattle Mariners baseball game, they legitimately sell them at the game. You can walk up to a concession stand and ask for some crickets to munch on during the course of the game, which is like I I having done it. No, no. And see that doesn't actually strike me as weird as. Because a cricket is, you know, it's smaller and it's like a tarantula. Is yeah, like, it's like a whole a big, thing. Yeah, it's like a, it's a big thing. There's 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 some hairy. there's some meat to that boy. Yeah, like you're you're there, there's there's some texture stuff with a tarantula that I'm certainly not looking forward to. 
but you know we're gonna we're gonna get it done. We're gonna make a show of it. All right, we, it we'll have some fun with that. And again, uh, we will doing that at some point. As Deca comes in here to pay off his penance, uh, Proctor wants to send a personal thank you for those two particularly awful weeks worth of picks this season, uh, so that he didn't have to sweat it out there at the end of the year. Proctor uh, managed to uh, to be sixteen games clear of you because of the two. Proctor will get his. Don't worry. What were your worst weeks? You had it. Did you have somebody had a one in eight week? Late I had a one and eight in there. You um, had a one and eight. It was week. I'm I'm, I'm looking for yeah, it. Yeah, week right thirteen. Now. Like, you had a week thirteen, and you won the first game of the week. You won Dallas on Thursday yeah. night, and then got everything else wrong the rest of the week. You went one and eight, and by the way, in a week where everyone else was over five hundred. Like, well, and the funny thing is, the, the the thing that you guys were ragging on me most about during the year was picking against the Arizona Cardinals, being that I live out here, which I think is funny that people think that just because I live out here, I no, would, no, no, you no, know. not that you're you should be a fan, just that you would know more is the concept. Right. Well, I think in the end, I proved that I did know more. That team yeah. was fraudulent. Yeah, at the end, they were fraudulent. You're trying to create revisionist history. They lost DeAndre Hopkins. When they had DeAndre Hopkins, they were, they were fraudulent when they lost their best player. It's like, my God, man. They were really good right up until the point where they didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, Chief. You were picking know, against man. them that's when like they had DeAndre the Hopkins. Were, that's what like you saying the Ravens were good until they lost Lamar Jackson. I don't know if I believe that. Well, they, I mean, they were really good until they lost all of their players. Yes. <laughs> They I lost know. all of their players, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, why do the Ravens stink? I've got an idea! Crazy thought. It might not be Greg Roman. It might have something to do with the players that are on the field. Might be a, just a crazy like guess. That. Uh, that was the only one. Uh, yeah, you didn't really have – you were just consistently under 500. Yeah, like I said, it was one really bad week, and the rest of them were just like four and five with a with a, a smattering of three and sixes thrown in there. I had a couple of five and fours as well, but no, I never had like the, the six, seven, eight win week that put me in a in any kind of position. Most of it was – I think I did have one six win week. Um, yeah, week 16 I went six and three, but – by that point, it was like yeah, you know, yeah. It was oh, it was it was Dunsky, yeah, correct. Deck. It was Dunsky at that point. I just caught on to it. By the way, I'm I'm not I'm not the the sharpest person. Proctor said, "Ooh, Steck, and my favorite person who has ever lived in Arizona." And I was like, "I don't get." That. Oh, I I all oh. oh, right. I'm yeah, the a hole. I'm the a hole. By the way, why would Stecka be? Other people have lived in Arizona, Proctor. I feel like you could do better than. No offense, Stecka, but I feel like you could do better than that with your favorite person who has ever lived in Arizona, man. Like I'm just, I'm just trying to put that out there. I feel like there have been other people that have lived in the state of Arizona. I don't know. I think Proctor's spot on there. Uh, shut up, <laughs> shut up. Andrew Stecka is with us here on GCR. So what do you do anymore? Do you do you even like? I, I literally said this to to Paul before the show started. I'm like, do you even write baseball at any, at any point anywhere anymore? Or are you just done with that? I really that? haven't because because what is there to write about right now? I, I mean, to, more in ge- like when the season, if the season starts, will you write about baseball somewhere? I I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, I've the writing thing for me has kind of um, you know how the, there's that thing when you write for you know I mean you write regularly and I read your columns at pressboxonline.com. Like you know if you were to stop Wait, that for I, three months, you could put write in quotes when you say that. I right i'm more well sit down at 11 30 and just start typing and whatever it is at the end i say well i'm never gonna have to read this again i'll put it onto the internet <laughs> but i guess my point is if you were to stop that for three months or four months and then try to get back into it it would be a lot harder oh. and i feel like writing is one of those things that is not like riding a bicycle for me it's one of those things that i have to consistently do in order to be able to do it in general yep. once i stop for a little bit it, it's it's tough for me to get back on that train so 
you know, when that kind of went away a little bit, um, it's it's t- it's not like riding a bike at all for me. I didn't write on Sunday because I wanted to wait until after John Harbaugh's press conference, and then he didn't say anything that was interesting, and I, I haven't written at all this week. I'm just like, I don't... I don't feel it. I know, I completely understand where you're coming from. I, I I had no inspiration to sit down and start writing. Um, where are you at? With are you nervous about baseball at this point? Like it it did seem, it felt like the weeks leading up to yesterday there was more of like a movement to hey they realize they know they've they've made some concessions it's going to get done. Yesterday felt like the first day where it seemed like the people in the know were like yeah it it, it ain't looking good right now. So, so here's the other thing when it comes to baseball with me, and it, and it kind of ties into the writing thing. And it, this has not just been this winter. It's been over the last few years. Baseball has just kind of it's, – it's, it's, I'm not saying I've lost interest in baseball. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going that extreme on it. But it certainly has gone down in the pecking order for me just from an interest standpoint. It, it, it's – you know, the whole labor stuff is just kind of a cherry on top of the crap Sunday that baseball has turned into lately, it feels like, between the – you know, and you've talked about this a lot on your show, between the propensity for just home runs, walks, and strikeouts throughout yep. the game, the lack of kind of action, um, and then between the Orioles kind of becoming what they've become. I mean, obviously, watching something like Cedric Mullins, who I know you had on earlier in the show last season was, was a joy, and it was, you know, watching John Means throw a no-hitter was great. Those kinds of things are, with the Orioles, you know, a joy to watch, and those, those things keep you interested. But on the whole, as baseball writ large has just kind of slumped a little bit for me. And it's one of those things that when I look at what's going on with it right now with the labor uh, discussions, I'm kind of indifferent, which I, I hate saying no, um, I because I've been such a huge baseball person my whole life. But it, it's, you know, if they don't play, uh, if they're not playing baseball in April, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to watch some NBA games. And, you know, I've got, I've got soccer. You, you know how big a soccer guy I am. I've got mm-hmm. soccer to keep me company. I'm not going. I'm not saying I'm not going to miss it, but I'm not going to be super brokenhearted about it. It's just gotten, it's gotten to that I, look, point. Look, and that being said, if the Orioles were going to be good this year, I'd feel completely different, right? Like if the Orioles were going to be good this year, I would be sweating. You know what I mean? Like my, I, I'm trying to think of there are places that I would say I'm I'm sweating. The teams that have spent money, the teams that are trying right now, like I'd be sweating. I I, I want baseball to exist, man. Like I want to get out there. That is part of the reason why I'm indifferent, right? So. So they don't play baseball in April in Baltimore. Uh, okay, <laughs> like I, right. I, I'm, I was gonna be checked in for like a week, and then I was gonna check back out again anyway. For the most part, I was trying to explain this. I had, a, I had to have a conversation the other day with somebody who was like, "Well, how much baseball are you gonna be talking, or how much will it hurt you if they don't start baseball?" And I was like, mm, "A little bit. Like it'll hurt a little bit, but you sure as ever aren't gonna turn on this show one day in April and hear me debate who should be the fourth starter for the Orioles because." Who the F cares which of these guys is the fourth starter Yeah, right tune now. into the like, batter round if you want to know You that can story. do that on the batter round, 100%. But, like, I, I just – who what, – in what way could I have a compelling conversation about which of these slappies should be the fourth starter for the Baltimore Orioles? It's just going to be somebody else next week. Who cares which one it is today? Like, they don't, they don't have four starters. That's the answer. Like, yeah. I, I can't fathom having a conversation or being interested in that. It's, I think there's a much larger conversation to be had about baseball as a whole, rather than from the local angle that you're taking, as to how much damage it can do to itself uh, from on, on a national level. But baseball is just not a national sport. I think we all know that. Um, when you're talking about it from a local level, obviously, yeah, you know, you'd like to have something to talk about. I think where it would really hurt for, for, for a local show like, like this one 
is, you know, when you get to the months of, of July or June, when, you know, there's no, like, right. like the NBA finals are over right. and, you know, there's no, there's not even anything remotely, you know, football season is still away. It, it was nice I mean, and the finals extended into July last year. That was really nice because it, it just, yeah, it's shortened. I would be in favor. Maybe that solves the load management problem we were talking about earlier. Keep doing that. Like keep extending the season to July and get me just a little bit closer to the start of football season until the Orioles get good again. When they get good again, then that, that solves that problem. I hear what yeah, you're and saying. Then, I mean, last year, like I, like I mentioned, I'm a big soccer guy. Last year, you at least had the European championships. Talk about this year. There's no world cup in the summer. It's in the winter. So it's not like you'll have that oh, going on. Great. You'll just yeah, have nothing so else dumb. going on. So if dumb. there's no baseball to talk about. All right. All right. Say your piece. You and you were fighting with Forrester last night. Say your piece. I, I kind of covered at the start of today's show. I, I am in agreement that, in general, I, I am not as worked up about the Burhalter thing as you guys are, and you can't get me to get that work. It's just not that big of a deal. It's not. I, I get it. Is it a bad look? It's not a great optic. It's not that big of a deal. It's not. Um, but the the weather thing, in general, I don't want any sporting event played in extreme weather. I want roofs on all stadiums. I think it's nuts. But it's much like gerrymandering. I don't want gerrymandering. I want it to be governed from above. I don't want it to be that one country decides they're not going to do this and all the other countries are still giving everybody the middle finger and saying we're going to play matches in extreme circumstances. But go through, run me through your whole spiel and the fight you were getting into with Forrester. Yeah, like when it comes to the Burhalter photo thing, like I, I'm, I mostly don't care that much i think i do think it's bad optics and it's not a great look but like i, I get painted as as like a, a you know a, a lock and fora-esque burhalter hater sometimes and i'm not that like that's, that's not where i'm at with him i don't think he's a great coach and i don't think that he's the right man for the job long term but if he can get the u.s into the world cup and through this qualifying period fair play to him like like whatever but i just think the photo thing was a weird optic and i'm not really that bent out of shape about it where i have a real problem with with what he did and said last night and i i listened to his post-match presser talking when he was asked uh, about you know playing the game in minnesota and the position that it put um you know honduras into i mean two two honduras players were, were dealing with hypothermia after the game line they had to be pulled off at halftime dealing with hypothermia um that's that's kind of gross and it's kind of um it's it's kind of inexcusable in my eyes, and it, it's it's inexcusable on a U.S. Soccer Federation level. But it's also inexcusable when Burhalter's asked about it post match, and he he doesn't really show any empathy toward you know what's going on with with two players who are who are suffering from something on the other side. He didn't he didn't say anything to the to the effect of um, I hope those guys heal up and, and get better. He showed no empathy toward them at all. And then for him to compare it to the U.S. going down to these Central American countries like Honduras or El Salvador or, or wherever and having to play in 90-degree heat and humidity, when that's all that those countries have, you know, the United States has multiple climates to choose from to play these games in, and they chose to play it in Minnesota in early February, where the chances are that the weather is going to be ridiculous like it was last night. Um, they easily could have played this game last night in Florida or maybe in Texas or, or here in Arizona or Southern California in a, in a climate that would, that would have been more suitable. And people want to argue that, that you know, it, it's, it's a good competitive advantage to, to put Honduras in an in a uncomfortable situation like that. I don't see it that way. I think if you, you know, want to 
expand your advantage, your athleticism, put the game on a, on a more neutral setting and that'll expand your, your competitive advantage, the athleticism that you have as a team over a, a lesser yeah, team like Honduras. I, I hear you, know, you but I, 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 in 70 I, degree weather. I think these are two separate thoughts. I actually, I, I'm going to disagree because I, 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 we saw it last night. They didn't want to be there. They, they had no interest in being there. They had no interest in being a part of that whatsoever. As soon as the U.S. scored a goal, they were done. And I get it. They're not very good to begin with, right? Like, I understand that's part of the story. But that's exactly what you're trying to do there is say, we don't want we want you to be in a spot where you're unhappy, which is what has been alleged of these qualifiers over the years the U.S. has had to go and play in these Latin American countries, which is you're, you're, you just find a lack of interest because the circumstances are so miserable that you just kind of want it to be over at that point. Like, I, there is something to be said for that. But in general, no, I don't like – in general, I don't think any sporting event should be played in Minnesota outdoors in February. I think that's insane. I, I do – I'll come back to it, though. Why should it be that the U.S. governs that themselves instead of somebody else stepping in and saying – We've got to figure out a better way for doing this. We've got to figure out a better system for how we can do qualifying so that no one is put in extreme conditions during these times. Well, I, and I don't think Matt Turner really wanted to be out there either. You know, mm-hmm. got a guy running, running, running 40-yard sprints while the ball is down at the other end. Right. I don't know if you saw that video. Right. Like that's, that's, not, that's not a situation that, that a guy like that wants to be in either. But that's, but that's um, one. He's, the, he's, the, only, he's the only guy that's you know. not running. You know what I mean? Like, he's the, there's one guy in comparison to the entire roster. But I, but I agree with you that, you know, CONCACAF should, should be able to step in. And if the game's going to be played in a situation like it was last night, um, they, they've got to do like breaks during the game to, 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 to have these guys warm up. I mean, you, you, you brought it up earlier with, you know, just player safety in general. And I know you, you, you brought up Jordan McNair's name. I mean, uh, you know, like those are, those are things that have to be done in order to take precautions for just for player safety, let alone the fans that, that, that went out there. I know you, I know you got into that earlier too, but like for player safety's sake, you know, we're dealing with, like I said, two two players from Honduras had to be pulled off the field at halftime and treated for hypothermia. That's ridiculous. That's something that cannot happen on a on a global stage like that. And they do it, you know, when these games are played in, in these other countries in extreme heat, they pull players off for cooling breaks because they're they're looking out for the safety of players. The same kind of precautions should have been taken last night in Minnesota, in my opinion. Um, I don't disagree with that. You know what I mean? Of, of course I don't disagree with that. They, they absolutely should be taking precautions in those circumstances. And I don't disagree that the game shouldn't be played in those conditions to begin with. That it should never be acceptable. But it should never be acceptable on the whole. All of it should be unacceptable. It should be unacceptable to be dealing with smog in Mexico. It should be unacceptable. All of it. There should be somebody stepping in and saying, we are re... We, we get it. We said you guys figure it out. You're not figuring it out. So we have to step in and we have to figure it out. We have to tell you you can't do it. It's, it's sort of what I said about baseball and stealing signs. Hey, you guys aren't going to steal signs, right? Okay, we solved right. the problem. No, no, you didn't. Like, you have to make it impossible. If it's possible to be done, it's going to be done because everybody wants whatever competitive advantage they get. Like, trying to say to team, you can't film each other's practices, okay? You can't do that. Stop it. That's not that's not you're not solving the problem. The problem has to be solved. There has to be an adult in the room that steps in and says, "Okay, we've seen what you guys are going to do. We're taking it out of your hands cuz you're not willing to do the right things. We're not going to allow that to be the case anymore." And that to well, me, it's I don't I can't blame Greg Burhalter for that. I can't blame the US Soccer Federation for that. 
I, I don't like it, but I understand this has to be done in concert with everyone in the same way that I don't like gerrymandering, but I get why it exists. I understand why it is that alone Maryland isn't going to stop gerrymandering because Oklahoma's not stopping gerrymandering, right? Like, it's got to be done overwhelmingly to solve the problem. And and I think the Burhalter, uh, the, the one last thing I'll say on Burhalter, the thing that, that I think pissed me off more than anything with, with what he did was the, just the lack of empathy. Like, I, I don't care that you, you know, feel, sure. that, I, you I would, feel that the game should right, have been so played there. Like, like just show a little bit of, of, of human spirit and maybe say something about, like, two players that, that – we're dealing with something really bad, and, and, that, and that that's game. and that, that's, that's fine. And I certainly understand the coaches are awfully defensive in those moments. After you know, like they, they, everybody feels like they're, they're being criticized, and so they're, they're in, incapable of separating it and saying, "Okay, this isn't about me," right? And I would like if that were the case, and I would prefer if that were the case. And you're probably right about that, but and for a guy like Burhalter, who's who's dealing with, I mean, if you go look at, at any tweet that the oh, U.S. national team sends out. The mentions are just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very aware, completely anti Burhalter. But that, I mean, that to me is like Ravens' offense coordinator stuff, dude. Like, I, and I mean, this is all due respect. Like that to me is, I think that's fair. I'm not, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm. This is the way it works. Everybody thinks that the U.S. should be good enough to win World Cups. They're not. You know what I mean? Like, could they, could they be better? Do I think Greg Burhalter is the greatest manager in the history of football? No. But I know how excited we were about Jurgen Klinsmann, and how long did that last? Um, like, name name me the U.S. soccer coach that people in this country liked? Well, I, I think there's a there's a much larger conversation to be had over the coach doesn't matter as much as the federation, but that's a, that's that, a longer that's, that's probably conversation. True, but my my point being, like, the criticism of Greg Berhalter, he's just the next guy that's being criticized to me. Like, it's... Yeah. It, no, and the next guy will be criticized it's just the as sa- much. It's the same thing. At, yeah. Yeah, until things change at a level higher than the coach, things are going to always be this way. Everybody loved Jim Caldwell because he won a Super Bowl in Baltimore. A year later, they all wanted him gone. Like, it's just the way yeah. it works. It's... I, People scream about Greg Roman, and they're going to scream about the next guy. And and it doesn't mean there isn't some sort of valid criticism in there. It's that the idea that we just we have to under you have to understand everybody hates you. Like no, they can just be a holes. Like we can just point out that overwhelmingly people are a holes, and that this is a problem that has existed with U.S. soccer for some time. And it makes it more difficult to to have conversation about whatever the legitimate criticisms and- are. And look, when it comes to the to the man up stuff, you know, because that's where some of this went to last night with Forrester yeah. on, on on Twitter. Like, oh well, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I know it's that embarrassing. That's, mostly, that's embarrassing. That's 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 him doing a bit, or, right. or or it's not. Whatever it is, I don't really engage in that kind of stuff. Once once somebody brings a, a phrase like man up or you know clown shoes into the conversation, I'm yeah. out. Like yeah, I, I don't Correct. I don't need to have that Correct. conversation. Uh, Proctor points out uh, Emma Stone is from Scottsdale, Arizona. So no, you're not. That's true. Um, uh, also, and I did know this. Uh, Danielle Fischel is from Mesa, Arizona. So sorry, you're you're not the the best. Jordan Jordan Sparks is from Glendale. Yeah, you're trying to no 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 disrespect to Jordan Sparks, but you're not trying to compare. What are you going to do? You want me to start rattling? You're not trying to compare her to Emma Stone and Topanga. You're you're definitely not trying to do that. Is anybody a big David Spade fan? Um, uh, Also points out that there is a there's an actor or actor. I'm not sure. Kakimo Glenn from the show Orange Is the New Black is from Arizona, so she can be my new favorite person who lived in Arizona named. Land. There's a lot of people so there's in that. I there's don't know. That. I don't know what what Proctor wants. Well, the point was, I thought he could do better for a favorite person that ever lived in Arizona than you. No, I just well, I, I thought I thought he could do better, and as it turns out, he has. So I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> At Asteca on Twitter, and you do a podcast about uh, uh, Tottenham, right? 
I do. Yeah, the Tottenham Depot. Uh, can be, you can follow us at Tottenham Depot on Twitter. Uh, that comes out uh, pretty much after every game. We do a couple of weeks. What was your horrible take a couple weeks ago that I was all over you about? What was that? Oh, was it? Were you one of the over? Were you were on one of the stupid overtime people. Were you one? You were. Weren't I was. You? I was. You were one of I'm the. I'm not anti-changing the overtime rules. My I'm, God. I want the perfect solution, and I don't think anybody has the perfect solution. I, I, anything is better. It's that guy. Except for this, this. Any solution that involves both teams getting the ball is a better solution. It's not that we, – we keep trying to do this, and we overcomplicate it. It's not hard. Both teams get the ball. The NFL is literally going to try doing the Ravens' dumb thing, which is dumb. Yeah, that's it's stupid. stupid. It's awful. It's insane. And it's so very NFL to do something and attempt to solve the problem that in no way solves the problem. Like, it's just so painfully on brand for them that they're doing this. But it, it, was, it was intellectually dishonest, the arguments that you were making. You were making intellectually dishonest have, arguments. Glenn, here's the problem. If you go back to that Chiefs-Bills game, if both teams get to touch the ball, the team that got the ball first, which in this case was the Chiefs, is still going to have the advantage because the Chiefs are going to go down and score a touchdown. The Bills are then going to go down the and score Bills a touchdown. The Bills get the option of choosing whether or not they want to go for two. Andrew, they get the choice. The second team gets to decide, can we get a stop? Nope. We're going to go for two here. You get to put it in your own hands whether you want the game to end in that moment or not. Nope. Why it's an the, intellectually okay, why dishonest the argument. Going for two when they scored their touchdown? Because they, they if the, the team thing? that gets the ball first can't be the team that goes for two, because if they miss it, then all the other team has to do is kick an extra point and win the game. The first team can never be the team that goes for two. It's why it actually puts some strategy back into the coin flip. Now there's a thought. Do I want the ball first? You're right. I would have the advantage that if both teams get touchdowns, I would get the ball third when it goes to sudden death. But would I rather be the team that gets the ball second and has the option to go for two and try to end the game? It puts strategy back into who wins the coin flip, and it's not as guaranteed what you're going to do. It's nonsense. It's intellectually dishonest when you say these things. That's a, a thought process a team now has to have. You get the choice. If you're the second team with the ball, the first team scored a touchdown, you scored a touchdown. Do you think it was fluke and that if you go back out there, you could get a stop? Do you think that you have a more likely opportunity to win the game by having to get a stop or by going for two? You get to make that choice. You control it. It's your decision. The game is in your hands, not in the hands of a coin flip. Uh, look, I'm not, I'm not anti. I'm just – I think there's – are you putting a clock on the field? Are you – is this a postseason thing only? Is it a regular season thing too? I think there's a lot of questions I, still to, I, to we, answer. We, but, I, but I I agree. It's not – it didn't really seem fair that, you know, Josh Allen didn't get it's, to touch the ball. It's, so. it's just not a good way to determine who moves on in the NFL playoffs. It would not be a good way to do it. We should not be determining a champion. It's, it's sort of like I don't – I don't love that they do penalty kicks to determine a champion in a major international competition, right? Like, that shouldn't be how you determine a champion. It's the championship match. You can play until someone scores a goal. That's okay. You can keep going until someone scores yeah, a goal. The, it's then, a last then you goal get right of the tournament. Back into player safety stuff, and do we want the games to go on for three hours and those kinds of things? It's the last is, game of the tournament. The same... It's one game in the tournament. You can play until somebody scores. One game. Well, you can do that. If it's a knockout round, it might not be. I, I just said, I'm saying it for the last game of the tournament in the knockout round you want to keep penalty kicks that's fine for the championship for determine it, I, look you know how much i love italian soccer italy shouldn't be able to win the euro in penalty kicks that shouldn't happen that way the championship of a tournament should be determined on the field that's the way it should go we'll talk about it more at a stack on twitter i love you I'll, I'll talk to you well whatever see you pal love you too bud andrew steckman checking in with us here on gcr he's got to come eat a tarantula i'm looking forward to that 
All right, today's show also, uh, or just a reminder, Stan the Fan um, has moved. It used to be Mondays and Wednesdays. Now his shows are Mondays and Thursdays each week. So every Monday, a baseball show. Every Thursday, a newsmaker in the world of sports with Gary Stein. Mondays and Thursdays, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. The next day at pressboxonline.com slash video. When we come back in, we'll get a tidbit and two-bit to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com from all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. It's another cold winter here in Baltimore, but this time there's no hot stove to warm you up. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and while there may be no activity in the world of baseball, I'll still be here every week with my co-host Zach Goodman to give you all the latest in the CBA negotiations as teams look to get back on the field in time for spring training. You can watch us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the latest in baseball coverage right here on The Bataround. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right. I have been sitting on this finish this, and I want to do it so I don't forget about it. I wanted to do it while Stecka was on the phone, but we started rambling on about whatever we were talking about. Uh, Finish this. comes to us from Gizmodo. Man's blank fills with blank after DIY... Blank, blank, blank goes wrong. Man's blank 
fills with blank after DIY blank, blank, blank goes wrong. And those three blanks, it's all one thought. It's not like three, it's all one term that's just three words for the same term. Man's blank fills with blank after DIY blank, blank, blank goes wrong. That's correct. All right. Man's penis fills with blood after do-it-yourself silicone penile implant goes wrong. Penis is correct. Hmm. So you got that one. All right. Man's penis fills with pus. Okay. After do-it-yourself... God, everything about this is just... I don't want to have this conversation now. I wish you would have gotten that one last. I wish that would have been the last one you got. (laughs) Yeah. Man's penis fills with pus after do-it-yourself hair trimming session goes wrong. Nope. Hmm. Man's penis fills with... I'm assuming it's not a bodily fluid, nothing that comes from the body. So maybe he injected it with something. Man's penis fills with air. Okay. After do-it-yourself um, genital wart removal goes Okay. Wrong. All right. That would be a reason to be doing something like that. No, but you are sniffing around. You're sniffing around. <laughs> I'm so yeah, upset right. that I'm which sniffing is, around. Which is, Great terminology. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> All right. Man's penis fills with... It's not the first time that Paul's been sniffing around a penis. Uh, my own. What? <laughs> go, go. Just come on. Move oh, on. so dumb. Um, man's penis fills with... I hope my mom's not listening. Yeah. Hi, Mom. <laughs> man's penis fills with water after do-it-yourself... Home self catheter catheterization goes wrong. You're 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 all over it. I mean, like you're all over that penis. I just got to tell you, <laughs> you're really all over that penis. Uh, Proctor, no, yeah, Proctor went a completely different direction because uh, he's he's. I'm sorry. I know there's a delay. I apologize. People have brought that up. It's gotten worse. We're trying to fix that. I don't know why uh, we've had the latency issues, particularly with YouTube, but we're trying to get that fixed. Um, n- no. Uh, Proctor man's penis fills with spiders after DIY zebra tarantula terrarium goes wrong. No, no, none of those things. All right, give me a number one to four. Um, three. I mean, the truth is, so, uh, dysfunction. Dysfunction. Yeah. Man's penis fills with blood. Uh-huh. Did I already say blood? You already said blood. You already okay. guessed blood. Man's penis fills with... You've guessed blood, pus, and, and air. air. And water. And water, yes. Man's penis fills with mucus ah. after do-it-yourself erectile dysfunction fix goes wrong. I mean, you're just, you're just coming up with a different... It's definitely erectile, obviously. It's erectile dysfunction what? I mean, like you're just it's just a different term. You're really only... Medication. Get, no, but it's this treatment, so it's the same thing. Okay. Treatment is the word. So you're just trying to figure out what it filled up with because the uh, erectile dysfunction treatment went wrong. Man's penis fills with butter. Ah, that's a hell of an idea. That works. We're on to something now. 
No, it's not, not butter. butter. Not butter. Hmm. Not something that comes from the body. He's trying to... Huh. Some kind of gas. Man's penis fills with gas after do-it-yourself erectile dysfunction treatment goes wrong. From Gizmodo, a man and his partner's attempt at a treatment for erectile dysfunction went disastrously wrong, according to his doctors. In a recent case report, they detail how his partner accidentally shot insulation foam into the man's penis and bladder while a straw connected to the spray had been inserted into his urethra. Afterward, he began to urinate blood. The doctor, the doctors were able to remove the hardened foam. Eventually, the man will require further procedures to repair his urethra. The unfo- Why couldn't you just go to... What are they, there's like a million commercials these days for do-it-yourself erectile dysfunction medication. You don't have to go to a doctor. You can just go to a website. Was it Roman? Is that the company? There's a million options for these things. God bless my mother. She tried to help me cheat. She sent me the article. Oh, the link. She <laughs> sent it to you. The uh, unfortunate tale was published in the November issue of Urology Case Reports, though it only seems to have garnered media attention this week. According to the report, the 45-year-old man has been asserting various objects into his urethra. That's your play? Like, look, I'm absolutely, I want to make this very clear. I'm very sympathetic, right, with the idea that you're dealing with something like this. It's got to suck. It 100% has to suck that you're dealing with this, something like that. As everyone knows, I am a two-time confirmed sex haver. Um, and as a man who is a t- two-time confirmed sex haver, I can only imagine the difficulty of a circumstances like this. But the first thing that you're turning to is shooting stuff into your urethra. That's the first place you're looking is putting random things around the house, looking around and saying, hey, we could put that, uh, what if we put that, uh, the coffee straw there? What if we put this coffee stir in the urethra? You think that would work? That's the play that you're tur- turning to? I don't even understand how that would, honest to God, I don't understand how it would work. I really don't. Like, if you're not, you know, I, mean, like, I wouldn't try to be too graphic here. I don't get how even in your mind that's a concept that would be practical in these circumstances. I don't get it whatsoever. Um, <laughs> Proctor says, this is why I'm going to a pro for my vasectomy. As did I. As did I. Chesapeake urology. Um, I just can't fathom that being. And now, look, I hope that the story isn't, well, we tried medication. We tried a hundred other things and that didn't work. So we were desperate in trying something else. Okay. All right. Then I, you know, maybe, maybe I'll listen a little bit more, but at no point would I ever say to myself, you know what? I think it'd be an idea. Why don't you shoot that insulation foam in there and see how that goes? (laughs) No. tidbit you know i'm not gonna give a sponsor to tidbit because i don't think anybody wants to be associated with the segment that we just did just go ahead and do tidbit <laughs> joe burrow and matt stafford will each be playing in their first super bowl next sunday when they square off at super bowl 56 fun fact it is just the third super bowl since 2009 that has not featured a repeat appearance by one of the quarterbacks for burrow he is making his second his first appearance in just the second season whereas stafford will be making his first appearance in his 13th season Whoever wins will be one Super Bowl win away from accomplishing something not many other quarterbacks have done. Only 12 quarterbacks in NFL history have ever won more than one Super Bowl. Oh, I Who thought you were going to ask me for the other ones where the, 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 um, we're in a matchup of two first-time Super Bowl that quarterbacks. That would be too easy. You could have figured that out. Was it? Mm-hmm. Uh, 12 quarterbacks that have won more than one Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Eli Manning. Eli Manning, two. Uh, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, two. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. I think he has like seven. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly the number. Uh, ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger, too. Um, Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman, three. The lone guy with three. Uh, John Elway. John Elway, two. 
Bart Starr. Bart Starr, too. Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw, four. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Who am I missing? I'm missing Ken Stabler. No. He didn't win more than one. Oh, Joe Montana, of course. Joe Montana, four. Joe Montana really or Ken Stabler really didn't win more than one. Nope. That's wild. Um how about it's normally Steve Young, but it's not Steve Young because he it's only won the Steve one. Uh how about uh Jim Plunkett with the Raiders? Jim Plunkett, two. Okay. I feel like it's it's been him a few times when I've gotten missed something. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So I'm still missing two. two? Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 my uh, Greasy, Bob, Bob Greasy, Greasy yeah, two. And you have one left. And that would be Stallback. Roger Stallback, right. two. All right. Yeah, I think it was some. This is actually easier than the other one, if I'm being honest with you. Because remembering who won the Super Bowl is a little bit easier than remembering who the quarterbacks were that were in so Super Bowls. It was Flacco versus Kaepernick back sure, in Sure, that makes sense. I'm feeling like. I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head. Was uh, it, it was a Warner it was, McNair would definitely be one. That wasn't since 2009. Oh, since 2009. Yeah. You said. Uh, the other one part. was um, oh, okay. Mahomes Garoppolo. Oh yeah, sure, of course, a absolutely. Years ago. Yep. Yeah. No doubt. All right. Uh, very good. Tubular is brought to you today by Live Casino and Hotel. The FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the best place to bet and watch live sports. Walk up and make your bet. At any of our 24-7 betting kiosks, the 51 self-service betting kiosks are dispersed throughout the property, or visit our personal betting windows to place a bet with a sportsbook representative at Live Casino and Hotel. Here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise. The Maryland women are in action. They host or they visit Michigan State, 6 o'clock on Big Ten Network. Towson's at Hofstra at 7 on Flow Hoops. Mount St. Mary's hosts Merrimack at 7 on NEC Front Row. Uh, the only Big Ten hoops tonight, Iowa-Ohio State at 8 on FS1. The Pro Bowl Skills Showdown is this afternoon, and they're going to air it tonight at 7 on ESPN. Oh, man, I don't know what just happened there. I might watch that. Why? I've never really watched Why? it before because I'm usually working. I might watch if they it. brought back the old quarterback thing, like the old competition they would do with like the targets are moving, mm-hmm. and like yeah, I would watch that. They That's did that a couple years ago when Lamar was. A, when did they do that? Yeah. I would. It's the only thing, and I wouldn't. He didn't t- do well. I wouldn't tune in. I think I remember that now. I wouldn't tune in to watch it like that night. You know what I mean? But like, if it was on at some point, that was the way it was for me back in the day. If it was on at some point and I could just watch it like on a Saturday morning or something like that on repeat, I would be like, man, I'll take a look at this. But I have no, none of these things do anything for me. See, that or Joe Millionaire for richer or poor. That's uh, incorrect. Suns Hawks tonight, 730 on TNT is where your boy will be uh, tuned in. Lakers Clippers at 10 on TNT. Golf Channel for round one of the PGA's Pebble Beach Pro-Am at 3 o'clock. And the Olympics continue um, overnight. There will be USA mixed doubles curling at 1.30 a.m. against Sweden on the USA Network. The Olympics are also tonight on NBC starting at 8. Oh, and the East-West Shrine Bowl tonight at 8 o'clock on the NFL Network. Uh, Diego Fago from Navy is part of that. And Chig Aconquo from Maryland is also in that game. So there's uh, one of those games tonight at 8. Uh, WWE Network, NXT UK at 3. Access TV for Impact Wrestling at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Uh, Dua Lipa and 2 Chains are going to be on Stephen Colbert tonight at 11.35. They go everywhere together. Um, knows that. Truth and Lies, The Last Gangster on ABC at 8. Um, what else do we have here? On HBO Max. Peace I almost Smith. forgot, by the way, that South Park came back last yeah, night. Yeah, I watched it. I almost it. forgot it about that. It was pretty damn funny. 
Uh, Peacemaker episode. I don't know why they mentioned that in Tubular. Yeah, I realized that afterwards. I was like, that I, was a big miss. I didn't even. That was a big Comedy miss. Central never airs anything. Except fine. Like a daily show. It's that's a new. significant miss. Um, MTV Jersey Shore Family Vacation that's, at eight o'clock. That's important. Peacemaker episode six tonight on HBO. You know what? Max. I watched the first episode. I did enjoy it. I did enjoy yeah. it. I will go back to Peacemaker. You also have Raised by Wolves, a Max original season two premiere, and on Netflix, Murderville Netflix Netflix series premiere. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Who is that that's doing I don't that? Know. No, it's like it's gotten a lot of buzz because it's like an improv comedy thing. Where oh man, Will Arnett is like the cop, and he takes out like other funny people with him to do scenes. It's it's gotten a lot of buzz. This Murderville thing. I I don't know that I'm gonna watch it, but it's gotten a lot of conversation. All right. Thanks today to uh, Cedric Mullins. Thanks also to Bo Smolka and to Andrew Stecka. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Hey, we're going to go, speaking of, we're going on a show field trip tomorrow to see uh, Jackass. You guys want to come with us after the show tomorrow to see Jackass? Hit me up. I'll give you the details. It's looking like we're going to go uh, Towson at 12.50 was the time I think mm-hmm. I said. I think that's going to be the game plan is we're going to go to Towson at 12.50, but we're taking a show field trip to see Jackass tomorrow. I don't even know if the kids are coming. The kids. Like, we're a married couple. <laughs> um, I don't know if the interns are coming or not, but uh, it's looking like that's what we're going to do. Tomorrow is 12.50 in Towson to go see Jackass. If you want to join us for a show field trip, uh, hit me up on Twitter. And, not that uh, there's anything wrong with that. No, I mean, I'm, there's no, nothing wrong with that at all. But, you know, I don't think our kids would be that. Uh, hang on a second. <laughs> I got to think about this. How Se- old? Seinfeld reference. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, how old is that? I mean, they actually are at the age where, like, it's not inconceivable that they could be my kids. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, no. Um, anyway, the moral of the story being, if you want to go see Jackass with us, hit me up on Twitter, and uh, we're taking a field trip tomorrow to go see it. I was watching Jackass 2 last night, in fact. I'm only, I didn't nice. watch a lot of it. I didn't have enough time. It was on as I was like trying. I got on the bike last night, and as I was finishing my workout, I watched South Park. I watched um, Pam and Tommy during like in, during, in the evening, and then I, I turned on. like I was getting ready to turn off the TV, and Jackass was on MTV. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to spend a little bit of time with this. <laughs> Just a little bit. Going to have to spend a little time here. All right, thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, CCBC, Glory. Oh, on the show tomorrow, John Feinstein is going to join us. We'll talk to him about, uh, he wrote a column suggesting some Maryland basketball candidates. We'll talk to him about the uh, the NFL situation as well. His most recent book sort of covered some of those problems related to minority coaches. Also, we're going to go down live to the Senior Bowl. Spencer Schultz from uh, uh, Baltimore Beatdown is at the Senior Bowl this week, so he's going to do our draft segment this week live from the Senior Bowl. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Exxon Mobile, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, Duffy's Garage, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, and my bookie. Thanks to Paul Valley. Follow him on Twitter, at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday evening. Go Maryland women. Go Towson. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. <laughs>